This week's episode is sponsored by Plum, the app that lets you manage investments and savings all in one place. A few weeks ago, I mentioned some of the funds I've been investing in. Those are the groups of companies you can invest in combined into categories. I started off with Clean and Green and Tech Giants as my initial funds, but I've now diversified and added a new one as well. Some of the fund choices included a balanced bundle, which is a moderate risk bundle, good for kind of like first time investors. Best of British, some of the biggest and best UK based companies. The Medic, a fund with a focus on healthcare. I actually ended up choosing the Rising Stars bundle to add to my funds, and this includes quickly growing companies such as Tencent and Samsung, and I've already seen a 4% growth on my initial deposit. So if you'd like to join me and 1 million other Plum users around the UK, as well as supporting us here at Sequelizers, please click the link in our show notes to download Plum today. Of course, as always with investing, your capital is at risk and investments can go up as well as down. My personal return is just an example and is not indicative of future performances and is also not investment advice. Thanks again to Plum for sponsoring us and now on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Season 9 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, is Matt Stogden. Bad sequels aren't brought by broken mirrors, but broken minds. <laughs> you piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of true. You bastardo! <laughs> it dies, I, would, it? I would imagine a lot of people have no idea what the fuck you're referencing there. Good. Yeah, yeah it's a nice little cryptic reference. And speaking of cryptic references... <laughs> Joining Matt and I, also as always, it's Tim Matum. Mandy weighs 110 pounds at most. Jack Chambers, God rest his soul, was a fucking gorilla. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell! And, and, and he was armed. <laughs> no, there's more to this case than we think. <laughs> You're not wrong, Tim. Brilliant. You're not wrong. I am a, I'm a large man. Jack Silverback Chambers. <laughs> Silver Jack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, uh, yeah, I don't think if you haven't already seen the title of the episode, I don't think anyone would have gotten any of those references and been like, oh, yeah, they're definitely talking about this movie. I mean, some people might see the title and think, the fuck is this? <laughs> I thought that because it's one of those films where I was like, I have never heard of this film, let alone like not seen it. I've never even heard of this title and then or revealed the franchise. I was like, oh, that has a sequel. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's the third movie. <laughs> oh, God. Because the reason I hadn't heard of it because it's a Patreon pick mm. by one of our lovely executive producers. And if you'd like to go to patreon.com slash sequelizers, you can go and get early access, get ad-free access, get bonus exclusive outtakes where we do quizzes and have fun and say terrible, horrible things that can't be published on the main feed <laughs> because we'd probably get in trouble. With, evidence. Probably get in trouble with the police and or sponsors. Yeah, if the police want to come for us, they've at least got to give us some Patreon money. <laughs> come heavy or not at all. <laughs> That's it, keeping with the theme of these movies, I feel. <laughs> and yeah, if you'd like to become an executive producer, like some of these fine gentlemen have, you can get shouted out on the show. And if you go to the highest tier above that, you're still an executive producer. You actually get to pick an episode for us to fix. You actually get to pick interseason stuff when we get around to interseason stuff as well. It's a lovely, all-around fun time, unless we get films like this, which we'll get into <laughs> in a moment. But the lovely executive producers are... Mr. Michael Belcher. You can't leave. 
Your journey has come to an end. Mike Salvia. Everything around you will become dark, and someone will take your hand. Xenos. You'll be pleased, not unhappy. You'll enjoy moments of incredible brightness. Jonathan Firth Clark. Tell me who you are! The Three Mothers. Haven't you understood? Josh van der Sluis. Mater Tenebrarum. James McDowell. Mater Lacrimarum. Michael Belcher. Mater Suspiriorum. And the man who hath picked this film for us to fix this week, Mr. Josh Miles. But men call us by a single name, a name which strikes fear into everyone's heart. They call us Death! Death! Who is known on our Discord as Shed. Because, <laughs> yeah. because usernames and stuff. Yes. I always find it weird when I'm communicating with the people on the Discord. I'm like, I've seen your patron thing. I know your real name, but everybody uses your username. And if mm-hmm. I use your real name, nobody will know what I'm talking about. So, oh, God. I fight for the users. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, yeah. Matthew. I fight for the users. Um, Mr. Anderson and Neo. <laughs> My exactly. name is Shed. Yeah. And if you do join us on the Discord, which links are on the website and all that kind of stuff, and yeah. on top of our Twitter pinned tweet you can notice all the executive producers for the most part because they have lovely little designed avatars by mm. mr john scarrett like we do as well and uh you, they'll, they'll kind of stand out in the crowd with their weird little wonderful faces under various disguises and movie themed masks and all this kind of stuff fancy fucks exactly well josh has picked a very interesting film for us to talk about interesting probably the wrong word uh, an unusual, unexpected pick, I'll put it that way. Like I said, I'd never even heard of this film before he, he sent the message on Patreon and told us. We're fixing 2007's Mother of Tears. And everybody's like, oh yeah, that's my favourite. What the fuck is that? Mm. <laughs> uh, that is a sequel to 1980's, yes, I did say 1980, <laughs> Inferno, which then is a sequel <laughs> to the one you might have actually heard of, which is 1977's Suspiria. I would love it if you said 1977's Star, Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> Episode 4, A New Hope. Yeah, which would make this the return of the Jedi of the witches. Ooh, oh, return yeah. of the witches. Um, so yeah, this is part of a trilogy uh, known as the Three Mothers or the Three Witches, depending on how you want to call it. Usually the Three Mothers is the most common kind of term for it. It's Italian horror. It's a, a, a genre known as giallo, which is G-I-A-L-L-O. I had not seen any of these movies going into it. I'd mm. heard of Suspiria before because it's kind of pretty famous and stuff, very influential and stuff like that. But yeah, had not seen any of them until like two weeks ago. Where was it? No, last weekend. So it'd be about a week ago where I watched all three back to back. Damn, son. Yeah. And then there's the remake of Suspiria, which we'll touch on later on as well, which is the 2019 version of that movie. So mm. 40 years later. Uh, which I watched two nights ago. So, yeah, been been binging on my Italian slash not so Italian. Yeah, the there's also I think like stuff. three cuts of Suspiria. Correct. Yeah, based on like runtime and shit. And, and yeah, lots. so I, I I'll, I'll just dive in. Um, <laughs> Please, I, yeah. <laughs> I watched the version on Amazon Prime of Suspiria, and that is the 4K restoration. That is some very specific cut of that version of that film. Sure, and it spends the first minute and a half with just the text of this is a 4k restoration of blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> and i'm like yep 
it's still a 4K restoration. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> skip, Amazon. Skip, 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 skip. Yeah, I was like, 30 seconds forward, 30 seconds forward. Okay, cool. Now we've got film. So like, yeah. It was re- It was now for a minute and a half of credits. Because <laughs> it's a film <laughs> from the 1970s. Because it's the 70s, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, listeners who have listened to the show for a long time, and we've, we've covered many horror films throughout the years, throughout the seasons and stuff. Horror is not my forte. I do really like some horror films. We touched on The Thing being one of my all-time favorites, which yeah, yeah. many would consider a horror film rather than more like sci-fi, but mm. it's kind of my... I'm coming in from cosmic the sci-fi horror. angle. Yeah, cosmic horror kind of stuff, which is way more my kind of jam when it comes to horror. But straight up, like, slashes, thrillers, traditional classic horror stuff is not my area of expertise or particularly my area of interest a lot of the time. So I couldn't have gone in more blind <laughs> to these three films. Mm. And I'd heard the phrase giallo before and been like, it's an Italian thing. I, I'm kind of vaguely aware of like some artsy Italian filmmaking thing, but I'm sure like a lot of the listeners, they're thinking like, you keep saying this word, what the fuck does that mean? We'll get to it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> and I'll pass over to my esteemed colleague, the, the, the film expert in the room, Mr. Matthew Stogden. Hey. Why don't you, why don't you educate me, first of all, and some of the listeners, I'm sure, Sure. what giallo is as a genre and then your history with the yeah of course of course, of course. the argento three mothers trilogy mm. series kind of stuff yellow in it yeah it's yellow in italian there we go sort of <laughs> tim how about you <laughs> yeah it's 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 literally it does translate to yellow giallo is yellow yeah it's a reference to uh the color of pulp novels of of the um really the 60s mm. uh, and onwards and it's just pulp schlock of lots of high scandal sex death and dealing with all these very very the blood and boobs and ooh, yeah, yeah exactly and the films, saucy stuff for the 60s yeah the films very much are obviously they're italian so everyone's speaking their own language and being dubbed later it's very much how they did a lot of things whoa, whoa, whoa. that's a huge point we need to come back to because oh, i found that fucking fascinating jack jack's uh audio time yes yeah, yeah very much so anyone who's watched a sergio leone western will know this basically because yes, you've yeah. seen it. it's like wait i can see that None of these voices are matching up, but one of them's Clint Eastwood doing his own voice. I don't understand. And so, yeah, so the idea that everyone speaks their own language, whatever the native language happens to be, and then they're dubbed over later, either by themselves or a different actor or whatever the fuck happens. This week happens that, to be. When I found that out, like I said, which was about a week ago, that melted my brain. It's, it's a very European thing to do. You're on, when you're on the on the continent, it sounds like the most complicated way to make a movie. I think when you're on, when you're on the continent and you live so close to people speaking French, German, Italian. Spanish in close proximity. Mm. It's like I kind of get the gist enough that I don't care, and you can kind of get the conveyance. Fair, fair, so yeah. it's it's a, and I think this is true of a lot of people when you're like in the in the situation when you're talking to a lot of people different nationality. I mean, Jack used to work at language school, for example. Sometimes you can tell if people are speaking different languages. You're like, I can kind of tell what you're saying. And so I, just... I have a perfect example of this. There was a couple yeah. of teenagers. We had a group. Um, so we had like school groups come over during the summer, and they'd yes. be here for like a month or so. It's kind of like part of their school trip, kind of thing. Kind of like parents justifying, oh, kids get to go on a holiday, but they also learn something. So it's kind of this educational trip thing. Mm. And we had a school from Spain and a school from Italy in at the same time. Oh, yeah. And two of the 15-year-olds started up a little teenage romance, a little holiday romance kind of mm. thing. Oh. Both of them had terrible English level of like, Sounds like a giallo film so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And they both spoke their native language to each other. So the Italian spoke Italian, the Spanish spoke Spanish. And because obviously they have the common like root of Latin mm. and yes. there's so many common yeah. phrases between those two languages, even though they are different enough that they are not just dialects, they are completely separate languages yeah. and have completely different tonalities and stuff like that. They were roughly able to get the gist of it, mm-hmm. but they could pretty much communicate in their native languages and get away with it. Yeah. Like, that is fascinating. Yeah. 
Yeah, I found that really. really I think perfect. English is so nationally spread because of colonialism in America <laughs> oh, that yeah. we just don't try very much. But we'll yeah. hear things and go, "Oh, that sounds you, like English." It's like you actually, speak it's English Germanic. slower, and everything mm, will be fine. Yeah. We can go anywhere. We're, we're kind of very privileged in that way. That oh yeah, the second language the majority of the other people around the world learn is our native language. Mm-hmm. So you can often just wander into anywhere in the world and be like, uh, "Do you speak English?" <laughs> and they'll be like, "Oh, don't worry." My cousins speak English. You I'll get, go get yeah, him. A little. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, yeah, a yeah, little bit, a little bit, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Whereas, like, if we basically spoke any other language and just be like, oh, I'm on my way to Japan. Anybody speak Italian? They'd be like, no. Why would a Japanese person speak Italian? Unless you're, That's like, the kind sense. of individual who loves the shit of Italian stuff or French stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, do. But you're going to have to get some very niche. Yeah. One of the key things, though, to Giallo films isn't just that it is... They're not like adaptations of these books, specifically, for yes, example. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, the yellow pulp novels. It's very much the the ev- evocation it's the the feeling the style the the shock of it all the, mm. the, the, the you know the thrill factor i think it's interesting they're called yellow because it's color right mm-hmm. the color yellow and especially with the first film in this trilogy suspiria yeah color is such a key it part of the cinematography is. and mm-hmm. such a key part of the the whole mood and atmosphere of that film for those of you who haven't seen it it's like the saturation is cranked up to like 15 out of 10 and all the walls are bright yellow, bright red, bright mm-hmm. blue. There's loads of fucking patterns and stuff. It looks incredibly 70s, unsurprisingly. Yeah. And it looks like this weird, like, almost like hyper-realistic, weird kind of version mm-hmm. of reality. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I and, and the blood is red, red. <laughs> <laughs> red as fuck paint. Yeah, yeah exactly. so on one side of things, you've got something like The Godfather going for this really grounded uh, taxi driver, kind of realistic, dark shadows, grungy ass rooms this is real this isn't the fucking filmed on a studio somewhere this is what new hollywood is and the other side in italy you've got i want to have the most vibrant just neon thing the kind of thing yeah. you see now you see and i think we're so in it now that it just looks cool you don't realize it's actually a statement the amount of films that have because okay just cinematography thing here when you're lighting a set the question is where is the light coming from if you just if you just have the light on it's gonna like well, where, where's that coming from it will just it will feel yeah, like yeah. it's lit so you have to say like, well, this is going from this lamp, this light source, this window, whatever it happens to be. And you see a lot of this recently. Um, a weirdly good example of this is um, Godzilla versus Kong. Interesting. I wasn't expecting yeah. to go there. Or John Wick, um, where it's like everything is purple or neon or yeah, pink. Yeah, yeah. What mm. they call bi-lighting. It's really mm. pink and purple and, and blues or very deep orange, that kind of stuff. But it's, it's very intense and it's coming from fucking everywhere. It's like, are there like neon? Is it, are we in Blade Runner? Like neon signs everywhere? Um, and it's just the idea that it's it, you know what is the source of this? Yeah, yeah. And the answer is don't know. Don't know. Yeah, looks cool. It, don't know, but looks that thing. It looks cool. It looks like a music video. <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And it's only in like ten, twenty years time they're ending up saying like, oh, this is actually very strange. Why did we do this for like mm. ten years in a in row? In the same way that mm. we're looking back at the seventies stuff now, entirely. Like, wow, what a stylistic choice. Yeah, because John Wick kind of redefined action in some sure. kind of like the Bourne films. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, ago. yeah, yeah. You get this cyclical kind of nature of films and stuff. You know? I wonder if in 20 years they're all going to be like, why is everything purple and neon? <laughs> what gonna... happened in 2014 that made it's everything gonna... all purple? Yeah, very just define <laughs> the era, yeah. Mm. And in many ways, like, Giallo defined, even though it's not super well seen, like, it was a huge influence on American horror films. Like, if you oh, didn't have yeah. Giallo, you don't have... You Halloween or anything. You don't have Halloween, Halloween yeah, you don't have Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. you don't yeah, have, yeah. you know... They kind of invented the slasher film. Yeah, the Americans will say Halloween and Black Christmas invented the slasher. Like, mm. uh, I think you meant the Italians invented it in um, like 1961. Or yeah, yeah, and 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 it's, it, that's the thing: the, the the color palette, how it's lit, the very striking thing. That's one aspect to it. Another aspect, as you guys said, is 
the stalking presence. Mm. It's the uncomfortable atmosphere. It's the sort of very predatory nature mm. of women being stalked yeah, the, and the exposure. Vi- the victims and, yeah. are almost always young women, like sexualized young women. Oh yeah, it's fetishized mm. heavily. Yeah, heavily fetishized and often scantily clad and all that kind of as you kind of expect from titties and knives. Exactly. Yeah. And then with the knives and stuff, you get this very. You often don't see the killer at all, and it will just be an arm with a glove and a knife that goes and just stabs into someone's chest. Mm. An angle that makes no sense if you're (laughs) actually paying attention to, like, oh, they would have seen him coming. He just stood right in front of them. It doesn't make any sense. But that, like, the black glove killer became a trope in this genre as well. That's true. um, There's something something in black, black leather, black lace, or something like that. Yes. One of those films that kind of defined that that look where you just see, like, a, a silhouette and an arm poking out from behind, yeah, yeah. kind of psycho star like through the mm. shower curtain kind of vibe. Again, another thing inspired by all of this stuff, all the blood, all that kind of stuff mm. as well. So, mm. yeah. Well, yeah, they were taking a lot of like kind of Hitchcock, some of his earlier stuff elements, mm. and like then repurposing. repurposing yeah, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Like uh, so, the the films we're discussing, the Suspiria ones, they are supernatural, but a lot of Giallo was just. Dude with knife. It's, with yeah, knife. yeah it's, it's the killer in the dark. It's men, and also Italy was a very dangerous place to be. They're like with a lot of places, really. Obviously, but like you know, like New York in the seventies was like, oh fuck, are you kidding me? New York in the eighties? No, it was not like the you know the Big Apple. It's like no, it's a fucking rundown, seedy pit. Um, and Rome was equally kind of like Mexico is can be now Mexico City with kidnappings and things. Mm. It was a classic like, yeah, we're going to kidnap you and hold you ransom and then release you to your family. And we'll cut off an ear or two. That kind of thing. I mean, I know that's like one of the main plots of like uh, all the money in the world, for example. Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And similarly, weirdly enough, in the late sixties, early seventies, you had uh, Japan doing the same thing with Pinky Violent, as it's called. Uh, Pink Pinku is, is the I think just erotic films. Pinky yeah. Violent was it's going to be sexy. It's also going to be horrifying. <laughs> and that's the thing. Giallo tends to be exploitation to the, the fullest it yeah. is 70s exploitation and, and things like that but it's also into the 80s and 90s it's it's mm. there the difference is how it's presented and because of that very distinct stylistic change of well no we're not going to do the neon stuff we're not going to do these colors it'll just be the attacking victim it kind of had a very much a bubble that burst in my opinion i know there are still examples of it later but they don't feel the same which we'll come back to later they mm. don't feel the same yeah there's actually um a really good explainer that went up on polygon quite ah. recently um, which we'll, was we'll link to that in the show notes. If you yeah, want to click through. Um, which was talking about how *Malignant* and *Last Night in Soho*, which yes. are films that come out recently, have yeah, this kind of yeah. giallo influence. And I, I like the point they make, where it's like giallo is kind of like champagne. Uh, certain people will be like, it's only giallo if it comes from Italy <laughs> in this little period of time. <laughs> yeah. But some other people will be like, no, Brian De Palma's kind of giallo, and it's like, no, there's influences and, yeah. and stuff you can see. It was really useful, actually. I found that article really handy when because it came up pretty much as I was starting to watch these films, mm. um, and I was like, "Oh, that's it was published that's... on the eighteenth of October, two thousand twenty-one." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, there, there are a lot of oh, distinctive yeah. style. I guess I'm the article, so tell me if it comes up in it. But um, a lot of stylistic stuff as well, like POV shots. Mm. Seeing from the killer's perspective is something you see more than else. You don't really see from the victim's eyes. You see the 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 victim being chased as in mm. you the audience are the killer yeah yeah and again you see Maybe that you just in... see a hand or a glove or yeah entirely yeah. a silhouette that the shadow that the killer is casting yeah as the camera is like on their shoulder or where their eyes would be yeah it's really tropey it's very much like ah, ah, screaming and falling over and oh my skirt got caught and nice bit of my ass that kind of stupid shit but it's also 
It's the style that gives way to, in theory, or very heavily influences things like the most terrifying parts of Silence of the Lambs. It's stuff that you see in like the Halloween films and other um, slashes of the 80s. It's very influential, but because it's so schlocky and niche, by the time it hits mainstream in America, in the forms that is, you know, like say, like Brian De Palma doing versions of, shall we say, yeah, but more yeah. watered down, they feel like that's so terrifying and so unique. It's like, yeah, they've been doing it in Italy. No, 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 no. What they're doing is very trashy. It's like, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I know. Well, but... we classed this joint up a bit. Like, yeah, yeah, precisely. Yeah. Yeah, that was actually one of the things they talk about in that article. Oh, okay. Is like there are elements in in these modern films, but they're less. They they take they cherry picked the elements and they've got rid of the trash yes. essentially. Yeah. And the trash is kind of the point because there were yes. there was like something like two hundred giallo films made in about fifteen years. Like mm-hmm. it is It's you know people are like too many superhero films being made. Like. You know nothing. Yeah, go go to Italy in the 70s and, and try and not f- see some giallo films. Yeah. Giallo films, kung fu films in China and Hong Kong in the 90s and 80s. There are certain periods of times where people are making certain things. You know, period dramas in Britain in the 90s and 2010s. Yeah. Sorry, 2000s. There are just pockets where you're like, oh my God, they're everywhere. Um, or, or again, in the 90s, you had uh, gothic romance or gothic horror coming out mm. back in. The, they're just waves of what's popular. But it is very... I mean... I think I think the 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 champagne reference earlier is is very very astute because you can make something now like the Love Witch, which is of a time period, has a feel of a certain thing and has a really core aesthetic visually. That's very cool. But Giallo is such a weird thing to try and uh, capture. It's a thing that you know Tarantino might end up doing one day for his final film, and you go, oh, okay, eh, it kind of isn't, is it though? In the same way that he's like, I've done my fucking. You know, I've done my Western. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. you kind of have. Sort of, yeah. It's not really a Western, but yeah. yeah. You get a lot of people getting these style and themes, but not really the, the core of what it is, mm. if you want to be weird and authentic yeah. about it. Um, I'll highlight a quote, actually, from this article on Polygon, written by Noel Murray. You just touched on it there, Tim. Uh, this is specifically talking about like the modern interpretations. Like I said, there is a remake of Suspiria, which we'll get to in a sec as well, well yeah. which is a very different interpretation of that story. Blah, 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 blah. But this quote uh, is, the only problem with these modern movies is they're a bit too elevated. The classic giallo films looked fancy, but most were made cheaply and quickly, as the Italian studios turned them out on turned them out on an assembly line. Part of the fun of being a giallo fan is sifting through all the schlock, looking for the films that are actually uniquely strange and inspired. The more recent wave of giallo influence movies come pre-sorted for fans, taking the aesthetically impressive parts of the genre and leaving out the exploitative dreck. Yeah, sums it up pretty nicely there, and I think in spoiler alert, listeners. Tim shared that on our group chat ahead of, like, I had just about, I think I was just about to watch them or just had watched them. I can't remember which way around it was. And when Tim was like, oh, there's this thing that's just mm. been published by Polygon about the thing we're about to talk about. <laughs> we have this weird moment where sometimes, you know, the planets align for sequelizers lines, yeah. and we get yeah. this lovely thing of like, the trailer for the thing has just come out. And then we're going to talk about, I'm not talking uh, about the thing, the thing. Our Time Cop episode went live the day after John claude Van Damme's birthday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Not at all planned. No. All that kind of stuff. Sometimes we do plan like, oh, we'll do a spooky thing for Halloween. Mm. Hello. <laughs> kind of this and kind of next week. Exactly. Yeah, we've got to, you know, I often say the, we're getting right to the end of the episode here, but I often say, now for something completely different <laughs> next week. This is one of the few times and kind of carrying on from Basic Instinct previously, a bit of slashery kind of stuff going yeah, through yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sexy slashery, Sexy erotic slasher. thriller kind of stuff. Bit of horror kind of theme going on here. Yeah. Maybe we'll carry on the horror theme to next week as well, keep in the Halloween y kind of spirit. Mm, maybe. But we won't talk about that for the next no. probably like two and a half hours. So. I, to, to, to answer your question from earlier, Jack. Yeah. Um, what, what, so what, my history. Back, what's your history yeah. with the, the three movies trilogy? I don't particularly like Jarlow. 
I know that wasn't the question. No, 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 no. <laughs> but that's the thing that that ties. I want to talk my, about that as well. Yeah, that ties into my suspicious thing. I don't like Argento's direction most of the time. I like the ideas he puts into things. I like the, when he's talking about what he's doing with the movie. I think that's fucking great. And then I see what he's made with it and think, nah, I don't like that. So I like the concepts. I like where he's coming from. And Suspiria and Inferno and arguably Mother of Tears. I like the idea behind it. I do not like the execution. So my history is that I've seen Suspiria because it's a very lauded and heralded piece that everyone says is so good and so on and so forth. Um, we'll get to my opinion on it later. I'd seen Inferno because I heard that there was a sort of sort of follow-up and I've seen a few Argento films. I keep thinking, well, maybe I'll just get into it if I watch more of them. He's one of the sort of names that crops up. Um, Tenebrae and that kind of shit. And I'm like, ah, uh, yeah. And, and um, I watched um, Phenomena recently with Jennifer Connelly. And uh, I watched it with Ash and my wife and our friend Mickey. And we were just watching it and saying, oh, fuck, Donald Pleasance in this. Cool, cool, cool. And then pausing and saying, oh, is she the king of the flies or something? Is this what's happening? Is that monkey got a fucking knife? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, no, fuck off. That monkey's coming back, isn't it? Oh, okay, no, okay, fine. Just monkey with a knife. And then we watched the film and say, we didn't really enjoy that. And then the end of the film, my wife was like, holy shit, that monkey bit the um, Jennifer Connelly's finger off. I was like, sorry, what? So it's like, yeah, during the scene, with a, the final scene with the monkey, there's a, I'm not going to just go into it, but the idea is that apparently at one point, the monkey bit her and bit like chunked the finger off wow. of, her, of her. I know the feeling. Yes, you do, with your enormous I'm, bulbous I'm, 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 I'm missing a chunk of my finger as we speak. Yeah, but not from monkey incidents. Stupid monkey. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm not a fan of Jalo, and as such, my history of uh, these movies is I've seen them before. I don't particularly like them. I had a conversation with our wonderful EP Poot this, and I said... Because he was like, mm, Inferno or Mother of Tears? And I said, you've got to go Mother of Tears. Inferno is fine. It's not... I'm, to chip in here, I think Inferno is the best of the three. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's, it's, some people who like Suspiria say that it's not good enough. And so on and so forth. Like, no, it's, it's the same thing. It's Jalo. It's, it's, it's perfectly serviceable. Mother of Tears is dog shit. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah, and we'll obviously get more details mm. in a second. Um, so my history is I'm aware of them. I don't particularly like them. So how, how old were you when you first saw oh, Suspiria? Suspiria. Oh, and been. then Inferno and then obviously Yeah, I was, I was thinking I was like my early 20s. I don't know which version I watched. Yeah. I did not like it. We'll get back to that. But it's because <laughs> it's, it's so garish. It really is. I, yeah. I, and I was watching other horror stuff, which was just nicely shot. And I didn't appreciate, I appreciate the color stuff now, the, the pantone going on and what's visually being shown can be really beautiful in its horrific elements. If you start, if you, start, if you think of it more of a, a sort of, very strange dream, then it works quite well. In the same way, like mm. German expressionism isn't designed to, it's an expression. It's not supposed mm. to be a grounded reality. But for what I was going through at that time as a film fan and in just what I was absorbing, I was like, yeah, this doesn't line up with what I want to see or what I like. And subsequently at my age, I'm like, yeah, still, I, I think there are better versions of this kind of stuff. Um, but it's not for me. Tim, what about you? Are you um, was this, uh, as with Jack, all in one go? Pretty much. Down yeah. in one? We, yeah. we seem to have a theme, you and I, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's because we haven't seen them and Matt has. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I again, I was aware of Suspiria, um, wasn't aware that it had any sequels. Same. Uh, yeah. Was aware of Giallo, but hadn't really seen any Giallo. Um, and yeah, watched Suspiria. I thought, oh, okay, this was pretty good. Um, I can see what it was going for. There's mm. some ropey parts, but there's some interesting stuff going on. Watched Inferno and was like, okay, very similar, yep. less focused, some parts better, some parts worse in my sure, opinion. Sure. Yep. Watched Mother of Tears and was like, like, I was like four minutes into it and I was like, oh, wow, this is a pile of shit, isn't oh, it? This <laughs> is the worst one. This makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and basically, yeah, watched them a few days ago in preparation for this. 
and had much the same reaction as the rest of you guys yeah. of just kind of like, I can see why people would like it, but it's mm. not really my cup of tea. I do think it's because we've already touched on this in the Discord, and I know I mentioned it at the top of the show, but it's such a way for us to get like instant reactions from the listeners. As the episode comes out, the discussion starts in the channels on the yeah. Discord and all that kind of stuff. And obviously the executive producers in, are in there, we're in there, and we have the knowledge that they have picked these films and they know they're coming up in this season. Ooh, Jonathan Firth Clark pick is coming up. What's it going to be? And he'll do little mm. teases and we'll do our usual little teases. Matt will do a little like mini Dance. clipped out screenshot of the thing that is yeah. like the, the, yeah. the artwork of the episode. And then obviously the teaser goes up on Friday before it goes live on Patreon, all that kind of stuff. But the back and forth there I always find so fascinating because fun enough, we were talking with Josh Miles, like I said, who picked this for us to fix earlier on on Discord. And he was like, well, the first one's a Stone Cold classic, right? And me and Matt were like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. sure. I mean, it was the line, it was it's lots... a really, is the first one's a Matt pick. I'm like, mm. I mean, it's sort an old of, ass, sort it's, of, but no. Yeah, it's an old ass <laughs> film that's really highly regarded and it's got titties and it's like, that's a Matt film. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is a classic in the sense that it's incredibly influential. Yes. That's exactly where I was going with it, Tim. Absolutely. Cultural yeah. relevance. Yeah. And when you come to it 40 years later, you know, it's, there are aspects of it that are definitely going to be dated now and that aren't going to, you know, just the way we've told stories and the way, you know, that films are made has all moved on. And so there's... The shock and impact isn't going to shock us because we're getting so desensitized to what we've had coming exactly. from. That's, the, that's, yeah. that's yeah. the thing to remember. Like Giallo at the time was like incredibly gory, like to, to most audiences. It was, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. transgressive in how it, you know, showed violence. And, and make that now in 2021. It looks a bit funny and a bit silly. Yeah. Like, mm. not once was I shocked in any of these films. Yeah. Apart from how shit. If, if you ever see, like, is. this is on the list of video nasties banned in the exactly. UK. Yeah. Like, yeah. This was banned fine. across the world. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Why? It's just a I, silly fucking, yeah. that's a fake knife. Zombie like, River or something was one of those, like, yeah, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was such a jump from, like, the to go to go straight from Inferno into Mother of Tears, mm. which obviously made much more recent. Twenty seven yeah. years and, difference, by the and way, has a folks, more yeah. contemporary sense of gore. Very much. I was so. like, oh, holy shit! Yeah, we're in modern horror now, and this is kind yeah. of the modern equivalent of, you know, what yeah. what happens in horror films, where it's gone from, you know, in in Inferno, you'd see someone like tangled up in barbed wire, and then <laughs> yes. they get oh, stabbed. Oh, that fucking barbed wire scene. Whereas yeah. in Mother of Tears, you see someone's tongue get ripped out, then their stomach carved open, and then they are choked with their own intestines. Yep. Yeah. Like, it's considerably metal. more yeah. gory. Yeah. I, I, funny enough, you mentioned, like, yeah, metal, because I threw the horns up there. Yes. Because it's like, that's often the trajectory of these things that shock and surprise people. And when you're pushing the boundaries of, like, being offensive and stuff, because I always think of it, like I said, film is not my, like, area of expertise i leave that to matt and and also to tim in in many ways mm. i am very much the kind of like least educated of the three of us in in many of the ways of filmmaking you're and, our audience and, surrogate yeah exactly exactly but coming in and from, our astrophysicist and the astrophysicist <laughs> but coming at it from a musical point of view specifically looking at the birth of heavy metal and stuff ignoring the fact that black sabbath are named after mm. the mario bava film black sabbath so yeah there's the tie yeah. back into jello i'm not going off topic i promise <laughs> but thinking like in the 70s and stuff ACDC were heavy metal. Mm -hmm. ACDC were like blowing people's minds with mm. how heavy their guitar sound was. Yeah. And now you listen to fucking absolute classic rock. It's an yeah. Iron Man. Yeah. It's it's Iron Man's theme. Yeah. Iron Man's theme is Iron Man by Black Sabbath. Yeah. And then you contrast that now to like, again, to tie it into horror and stuff. 
people like Cannibal Corpse, mm. who are literally like singing about Ed Gein and all these fucking like yeah, yeah. serial killers that are real horrible, terrible people that have done unimaginable horrible things, compared to like, oh, I'm hanging out with the devil. Like, <laughs> wow, you can't listen to that. Turn that music off. That's terrible. And yeah. film had the same trajectory. Music, TV, yeah. film, like pop culture and art and all that kind of stuff always has this trajectory. Somebody pushes the boundary and everybody goes, that is the most insane, offensive, heavy, in this case, in terms of music, like thing. That is the goriest thing I've ever seen in my life. Now, this is barely even a fucking horror film by the contrast. Mm. Like you said, Tim, you have people ripping people's tongues out and strangling with their intestines mm. and you have death metal and you have thrash metal compared to da na na that's not a prayer guitar too loud yeah it's like oh lovely little drum beat and stuff but that was like Black Sabbath were blowing people's minds and ACDC were incredibly heavy and all this kind of stuff in the 70s and we've gone the same trajectory and we now like I do often wonder and I was talking with a friend of mine the other day who's really into like really knowledgeable about metal and reviews it for magazines and stuff professionally and he was saying like have we reached peak metal like death metal is a thing how do you go heavier than death metal we have like all these like really like deep vocals yeah. and all this like <laughs> it's, as, it's as fast and heavy yeah, and yeah. as low and scary and themed around serial killers and horror films as much as you possibly can sure what's next and i felt like we're almost getting to that point with horror now where like with all the crazy effects we can do whether practical or cgi and all this kind of stuff we can push the boundary so much with modern filmmaking yeah you could just do whatever you like and kill all manner of horrible disgusting murders in different ways and push gore and offensive things in different ways like what's the next thing what's going to be the thing that's going to push us past that boundary have those things reach their limit obviously you know they won't disappear i still love heavy metal people still love horror movies that's not going to thing that's going to change sure sure but i do wonder like coming thinking of the journey now from you know 1977 through to 1980 through to 2007 and as, as we've touched on a couple of times the remake that happened two years ago of suspiria that is so fundamentally different to <laughs> its original kind of giallo influences and stuff like that. That journey over the 42 years is so fascinating. Perhaps more interesting to me as kind of trying to understand how cinema works and how it's evolved over the years than actually sitting down and watching the films. I want to get a process of like, wow, we've come so far. We've moved in this direction, but not this direction. It's so interesting to me, like having this kind of thing that spans this long and thinking about like Star Wars and stuff like that. I know we always bring up Star Wars and we've already fixed Star Wars in a couple of different places. Mm -hmm. But having these things that genres and franchises that span 40, 50 years across different genres and different decades and stuff like that, I find this shit fascinating. And that's for me is what the thing I've dug into the most. Yeah. Spoiler alert, I'm not fixing this. <laughs> that's Matt's job. Hello. But yeah, I found that really interesting coming from like an outsider's perspective diving into this for the first time. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of like how things are transgressive and then where do you go from there the answer seems to be usually it's you take a step back because the thing that was transgressive becomes faintly ridiculous pretty quickly yeah you know if you look at the torture porn kind of stuff of the, oh, of yeah, the 2000s sure. which was really going like okay how far can we push this yeah and then people were just like i'm bored of this now like that's it's, a very good point Tim. it's yeah. either either you it doesn't appeal to you in the first place or those tools become so commonplace that people go Actually, I've like you get I've, desensitized I'm desensitized to it, right? yeah, to it. Yeah. and so then it becomes a question of, well, how do you deploy those tools more cleverly? Mm. How do you shift Stop to something different and that kind of stuff? Yeah, right. yeah, that's really interesting. To, to pull it back to uh, to Jal and Argento specifically, Thank you, Matt. No, 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 no. Because no, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to add to this as well mm. because this is this is core to this conversation because Mother of Tears 
is directed by Argento. All three of these films mm. are, and he yeah we haven't we haven't really addressed that. Yeah, but yeah. so he doesn't really he he employs the same arguable techniques, even though they're in a, through a contemporary lens. Should we say with a very grounded, realistic effect and stuff. He doesn't necessarily push things forward. So say, say for example, for example, just two different separate examples here. One to take the metal example, for example, is legal precedent. Something is enshrined in law, and then all of a sudden everything is built upon that. So in other words, it's like oh we've we've never had a case like this before. Ever. There's no legal precedent for it. It's like, well, we better decide now. And some fucking judge back in the Sets 60s, the 70s says, one, yeah. right, I've decided this, clack, clack, you know, if, if gavels were real, uh, gavel comes <laughs> down because the gavels aren't used in most courts. But the point is, it's like, that's it. It's now done. What about the movies, Matthew? Gavels are used in all the movies. As much as I love movies, they're not, uh, they're not accurate. <laughs> Wait, what? That's a shallow. No, but I was going to say, that, that, that then becomes every lawyer bases almost every case based on, ah, you'll find in so-and-so versus so-and-so, right. the case of so-and-so, mm. this. Referencing yeah. case from 1972, blah, blah, blah. Precisely. Blah, blah. And yeah, they yeah. push it forward in the same way that when you're a child, your understanding of the world it, through how it works, how the world is, through swearing, through what's an entertaining story, all that stuff shifts as you get older. Cinema's the same, but over a longer period of time. So the things you like as a child, things that made you go, oh, wow, I was enwrapped. I was captivated by that 30 minutes of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Nothing can, where can they go from there? <laughs> where can the series go? They've done everything in this episode. I had some Shredder. I had some Krang. The turtles turned up. They kicked the ass. They won. April was there. She had pointed it on the news. I don't know what just, they can just do. Describe my pitch, man. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. But the point is that that's how it starts. And then you get older and realize, fuck me, stories are really complicated and in depth. You could do so much. But additionally, on top of that, the answer is where do you go from there? Tim's right. You take a step back. And Jarlo and Argento with Mother of Tears didn't. He lent into the, it's the mid 2000s. This is what they want. They want guts and torch porn and monkeys. Right. And the trick is, like with swearing, it's like, well, People say fuck, quite, especially in Britain. I know it's a thing. Australian Britain, we swear profusely. Mm. We Europe say the C word all the time. We, yeah, we try not to on the podcast, but we well, do in real life. The, the phrase for Australians is if they call you the C word, you're their friend. If they call you mate, you're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Listen, mate. Listen, uh, mate. You're like, oh, no. Yeah. Very, very interesting that if you like, well, what's going to be the most offensive word? It's like, what is currently shocking? And this is where Jala comes in. What's going to be shocking? It's like, well, stalking women. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not done. No, no, no. In, in a horror film, a woman faints and, and she's taken away by this ghoulish monster and a man saves her. What if there's no man around and you're in the eyes of the monster and you're slashing her up? Okay, well, she just dies off screen. No, 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 no. What if you're seeing like her clothes come away and she's been exposed and knives going across her skin and blood's going, that's too much. That's too much. And that's how these films were seen. So what you do is what's going to shock the decade? What's going to shock the people? So for example, where do you go with horror? It's like, well, we've shown you everything externally with the visceral nature of blood and guts and gore and what's basically a very Sam Raimi kind of cartoon which again it's very cartoony it's very silly like yeah, so, oh that's silly it gets like saw sequel sort of territory shit then you go well, what are we, what's, what's scary what's going to be what's going to be shocking what's going to shock this generation and then you get things like the remake of Candyman you get Get Out you get Us you get basically let's talk about a whole community you are not being spoken about you get yeah. like but what's the most what, if you say every generation like you can't say the word fuck. It's like, oh my God, now you can say fuck quite normally and calmly and politely and it doesn't On seem TV, too bad. Like Precisely. Yeah, crazy. What's going to be the next thing? And I'm not deciding this. I'm not encouraging this. But it's like, what's going to be the most shocking thing I can say to our generation that we won't put up with? It's like, well, racial slurs. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. You can't say that. And that reaction, no, 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 no. You're not doing that. So even the fact that I knew where you were going with that yeah, sentence, yeah. there's, spoiler alert, we're three white guys from Britain <laughs> yes, here. Yes. The fact that we would even bring that up considering, you know, the history of our... Nations. <laughs> our nation, exactly, yeah. 
The fact that you'd be like, what's the most offensive thing? I'm like, is he going to say something out loud? Mm-hmm. I need to edit out later. See, that's like, the thing. Just saying it out loud. There's that fear. There's yeah. that taboo. There's that and, and kind that's of That's the same with horror. It's like, what's going to terrify us? It's like our past, mm. our history being laid bare. That's what ends up terrifying you. What's inside you is, and that's why you get more psychological horrors. We get more of these deep things. So it's a question of, it shifts to match the audience. And then you go back and say, why is this scary? Mm. It's like, because it was fucking terrifying us at the time. So yeah, Jalo is one of those weird in a bottle sort of fears of the moment, as it were. It can exist, it can make sense again, but the presentation is so unique that they are quite, to, 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 to do an Argento and say, I'm going to finally do the third one now. Like, right, is it going to look like the ones from the 80s and 70s? No, 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 no. Contemporary. With modern sensibilities. Mm, yeah, maybe okay. you shouldn't do that. Mm. Who are you going to cast this? My daughter. Oh, fuck. Uh-oh. I love that you started that explanation with, the thing for, with metal, and then you went straight to legal precedent. <laughs> yeah. And I was, what was the thing with metal? I'm, I'm a tool fan. I'm always worried about like you know, legal things holding up albums coming out. <laughs> I, I was like, building on your is metal. legal precedent a metal band that That's I've never heard of? I had the same thought, and I was like, is that a metal reference? I don't get that Matt has just dropped. Because I know you do have metal knowledge and, I have a lot uh, of it, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, oh my God, he's out-metalled me. How, how dare you? I'm the metal boy of the sequelizers. Mm. I'm wearing an Opeth t-shirt as we speak. How dare you? I'm an industrial boy. It's my most metal, spooky, scary (laughs) t-shirt. It is. It's very... uh, Very gothic. Yeah. Yeah, They like gothic death metal. (laughs) We should probably go through the synopsis and talk about the film. As as we've come to do with season nine, go through the synopsis and as we do that, we get to then call out the problems with the films. <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, because we tend to go through this stuff and by then go, we haven't talked about the film much. It's like, yeah, we have a great length. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, So, yeah, let's, let's, let's cover, for those who don't know, what I the fuck's say, yeah, because I think it's quite common. Like I said, I came into this completely blind. Probably one of the names. Tim, name, maybe, Tim was aware of it and all that kind of stuff. But, like, a lot of listeners probably haven't seen these movies, probably won't be able to see these movies ready for this episode to come out. So, yes. pass over to my esteemed colleague, Mr. Tim Matum. Yeah. For give, some lovely... Give us some witch shit. Yeah. Get I apologise because these synopses are quite long because a lot of shit happens in these yeah, films. Yeah, they're you quite could, fast-paced and stuff. Yeah, you could kind of summarise the first two by saying there's a creepy house and if you investigate it or help someone who's investigating it, you die horribly. Yeah. Um, it's in the basement. It's, it's a in, witch. It's a wi- the there's a witch in the basement. And then you sit um, in the street at the end. <laughs> yeah, but there's actually quite a lot that goes on in them. A bit in-depth, yeah. Yeah, so we'll start with Suspiria from 1977. Susie Banyan, an American student, arrives in Freiburg, Germany, to study at the Tanz Dance Academy, a prestigious German dance school. Tanz, of course, being the German word for dance. Yep. <laughs> dance, dance, Academy. dance Academy. Dance Dance. Yeah, they're going to start a revolution. <laughs> uh, she sees another student, Pat, flee the school in terror. Pat takes refuge at a friend's apartment and tells her that something sinister happened at the school. She is then ambushed by a shadowy figure who stabs her and throws her through the apartment's skylight hanging from a noose. Pat's friend is killed by falling debris. Right, that sentence Ba-bam. is so giallo. Imagine you're literally closing your eyes and someone's flashing a lot of lights and you see like the, the inside of your, your eyelids and it goes all red and blue and shit. That. That. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The next morning, Susie meets Miss Tanner, the head instructor, and Madame Blanc, the deputy head tri- headmistress. She also meets various classmates, including a girl named Sarah. Susie has an unsettling encounter with one of the school's matrons and Blanc's nephew, Albert, before passing out during a dance class. When she regains consciousness, Madame Blanc and the school's doctor place her on a restrictive diet that leaves her weak. The doctor had real fucking Dr. Spachemin from 30 <laughs> Rock vibes. It's like, ah, you, a woman, you need a glass of wine every half an hour. Yeah, also, yeah. don't eat any cabbages, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course, you all know what's to be done here. Cabbage for dinner, cabbage for tea. Yes. A glass of wine with each, 
and plenty of sleep. It's like, the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. When will science come up with a cure for a woman's mouth? Spachemin. <laughs> 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 The students are forced to sleep in one of the dance studios after spoiled food in the attic leads to a rain of maggots in their rooms. During the night, a woman enters the studio but is obscured by a curtain. Sarah, frightened by the woman's strange snoring, recognises her as the school's headmistress, who is supposedly out of town. The school's blind pianist, Daniel, is abruptly fired when his German shepherd bites Albert. Oh my god, so much stuff has happened. Yeah, yep. I know, like we said, we tried to keep these synopses as condensed and concise as possible mm. i don't envy you with this one Tim. <laughs> i know we've done like like detective stories and like basic instinct yeah, there's a yeah. lot of shit going mm. on and you kind of like, oh, mm. kind of cover every twist and turn but it's like oh by the way and the blind pianist had a dog and then he gets kicked out and fired because the dog bit somebody it's like, <laughs> it, again it's like there's been at least 10 minutes we need someone to have a bit of blood come yeah. out, but not like too much blood well, can we have a spooky moment dog, dog spooky blood. dog <laughs> Spooky yeah. dog. Both Suspiria and Inferno love to just kind of like, we're just going to follow these characters for a bit and then we'll go back to the main story. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. By the way, you'll notice there will be a link here. Uh, Suspiria and Inferno do this and then it's like, yeah. Also, uh, Mother of Tears. Mother of Tears, what are you up to Separate right now? off over here yeah. doing something different. Doing some bullshit. Uh, Daniel is stalked by an unseen force while walking through a plaza that night. Then his dog turns on him and viciously rips out his throat. Dog, yeah. dog, dog. I, I, I really liked that sequence. Yeah, I thought I that was one of the best Maybe sequences my favorite in the bit, film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sarah reveals to Susie that Pat was behaving strangely before her death and promises to show Susie the notes that she left behind. Sarah finds that Pat's notes are missing and is forced to flee when an unseen assailant enters the room. They pursue her through the school, cornering her in the attic. She escapes through a small window before falling into a pit of razor wire, allowing her pursuer to kill her by slashing her throat. This mm. fucking barbed wire thing. It's just a room full of barbed just wire. A... She escapes through a tiny window, like climbs out the other side, sees a thing on the other side, is like, okay, I'll jump towards that. Flop. Never never looks down to yeah. see the room full of barbed wire yeah. in front of yeah. So they talk about this on the uh, Red Letter Media review. They did a you know, they do the like review series where they go and look at oh, yeah. old films. They did one for Suspiria and then they did the it was leading up to the remake and then they did the review of the remake. And they talk about that. I was like, how the fuck did she not see an entire room full of barbed wire? Mm. She just jumped and is like, whoops, I guess there's no floor here. <laughs> it's what we said. Jarlo has like zero peripheral vision. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's this weird thing of like, it's kind of a dream sequence. Like this whole thing is some weird yeah, like hallucinatory fucking no, like real life doesn't look like this. So what's real and what isn't is, are we just telling a story by telling this weird, creepy story? Or yeah. is this like actually how these events are supposed to have happened? Like, Yeah, everyone's operating on that kind of like dream slash nightmare logic where it's like, well, I know I wouldn't go in here in real life, but this is fine because it's a dream, so I'll do this thing. And it's like, mm. no, no, but this is real life. You're about to get stabbed. It's like, it's fine. I'm just going to open these doors and creep into this room. And like, oh no, yeah. I've been stabbed. Yeah, it's almost like, I know obviously we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Scream probably at some point on this, on this podcast. But, like, the fact that it subverts all the slasher stuff that is then inspired by this stuff, and you get the classic, like, oh, no, I'm going to go off into the basement on my own. Mm. I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to get killed. Because shit like this happens, where yeah. they're just like, wow, the dog just murdered everyone, and I guess she fell into a pit of barbed wire, so I'll just fuck over into the attic for a bit and see what happens yeah. on my <laughs> own, yeah. in the dark. In probably a haunted yeah. fucking thing. In my night dress with no shoes. In my night dress with no shoes, exactly. Well, I know there's that very specific escape hatch thing in the attic, but that leads to certain death. I'll be fine. And we're also like, like at the point where 
all these very hopefully logical human beings like, why are you still in this one building where all the bad things are happening? <laughs> Leave the building. It's yeah. like, no, it's, are, it's how would I go? The, the entire film basically happens in this one fucking building. Yep. Mm. Pretty much. Cursed building. Yeah. yeah. Which is gorgeous as a set goes. It's, like, oh, it's really cool. crazy. Yeah. 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 Even that ridiculous like razor wire barbed wire, it's like spools of like a, yeah. like someone's taken a, a, a slinky and stretched it out and put it yeah. on the floor, and they she says steps off a ledge, goes and falls into it, goes oh no, and then she's running like an idiot. And this is the yeah. thing, it's not like tight shot, like oh god, oh god, you, yeah. you just hold as still as you can. That's how you do it, like with, for example, in Saw Two, falling in the pit of needles, mm. you hold as still as you can, like oh god, yeah. and then she just leans into it, starts cloying, and it's it's awful, it's uncomfortable. Mm. However, in this one, it's like she's. It's such hyper overacting, chewing the scenery bullshit. Yeah. Ah, ah. <laughs> like she's, you know, in inverted commas, drowning in a 50s film. And like, mm. what are you doing? You look like an idiot. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, but at the time it would have been, oh my God, I can't imagine that kind of awful, cutting, searing mm. pain. That poor woman. Not, fuck's your problem. Yeah. Susie investigates Sarah's disappearance the next morning. Tanner tells her that Sarah has fled the school. Suspicious, mm. Susie contacts Sarah's friend and former psychiatrist, Frank Mandel. He reveals that the school was established by Helena Marcos, who was allegedly a witch. <gasps> Fucking witches. Susie also consults with a professor of the occult. You know, how you do. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's just like... Europe. Yeah. Uh, who reveals that a coven of witches perishes without their leader, from whom they draw power. That's vampires, isn't it? Yeah. yeah witches, vampires. Mm, witches, you know. vampires, zombies, all the same shit. Yeah. get very, like, how do you end a story in the 70s? Kill the main one? Yep. That gonna do it? And they all yeah. explode They all or explode whatever, or yeah. they get better yeah. depending on how the story wants to end? Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. When Susie returns to the school, the other students have left to attend the Bolshoi Ballet. After being attacked by a bat, she follows the staff members to <laughs> Madame Blanc's office. Remembering that Pat uttered the words secret and iris the night she was killed, Susie discovers a hidden door leading to a corridor. There, Madame Blanc and the other instructors are plotting Susie's death. Albert il alerts Pavlos, the school's butler, to Susie's presence. So Susie hides in an alcove where she finds Sarah's disfigured corpse. Yep. Which is pretty... Like grim looking, yeah, it's got that... like pins in oh, the yeah, eyes yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Proper like um, oh, what's it, like voodoo doll almost. Like yeah, some yeah. sticking shit into it. Yeah. Macupuncture sort of gone wrong. <laughs> Pursued by Pavlos, Susie retreats to a bedroom. Of course, there she finds the headmistress sleeping and accidentally wakes her. The headmistress reveals herself to be Marcus. Oh no! Taunting Susie before turning invisible and reanimating Sarah's mutilated corpse to murder her. That does look pretty stupid. Yes, it yeah. does. When flashes of lightning inadvertently reveal Marcus's silhouette. Susie impales her through the neck with a broken statue. I love the lightning lights up and reveals the silhouette thing. That is <laughs> such a clever idea to have like the all the spooky horror weather. Of course there's gonna be a light and there's gonna yeah, be a storm yeah, yeah. outside. But it actually plays into the like, oh, I can see where she is because of yeah. the shadow thing. Yeah. It's actually quite a clever twist. Mm -hmm. like, Again, very, it. very German expressions. Like there's a Japanese film called Quiden, which is a horror movie that does the same sort of thing where fighting these sort of ghost like samurai but you see them as shadows on the wall and mm. he's attacking these spaces and nothing but they're getting hit it's it's i i like i agree i think that's something very very clever mm. and creepy yeah even though it's really lo-fi and stupid yeah on paper yeah. uh marcus's death causes sarah's corpse to vanish susie flees as the school starts to implode madame blanc miss tanner pavlos and the rest of the coven perish without the power of marcos to sustain them. Hooray. get fucked susie escapes into the rainy night as the school is consumed by fire we need to talk about that ending because okay. this happens for Inferno as well. <laughs> yeah, where it goes and, and there's a fire. Done. Credits. Like, what? Yeah, shit ends fast. Shit ends instantaneously. Yep. There's no like we've yeah. killed the witch, Jack. <laughs> 
but it doesn't end with the witch. It ends with like, oh, there's the fire, the, the window explodes, and then credits literally roll over. The cleansing fire. As, as the thing. <laughs> there's no like her stood outside looking at the burning building and being like, oh, finally I've escaped the evil witches. Or anything. It's like, burning building done. Fucking hell. Okay. Die hard. Yeah. And then this <laughs> film is like 87 minutes or something like that, the first one. And as we'll talk or about, one hundred and one minutes or ninety-seven minutes. Yeah, on the yeah watching. exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think originally it was about ninety minutes. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The sequel is like two hours thirty-five. Oh, for fuck's sake! But Inferno, spoiler alert for Tim's synopsis coming up in a second, does exactly the same ending, where it's just like, and we're yeah. done, we're off, let go, credits, 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 go, go, go. It's like fucking hell. Okay. I mean, Inferno even more than Suspiria doesn't invest like the characters with a lot of interiority. No, sure, <laughs> like, you no. don't. Like, you kind of care about Susie because you've basically been following her for the whole film. As we'll get into with Inferno, it hops around protagonists so often in Inferno that you kind of don't care about any of them. You're just like, so is this going to be the one that survives? Oh, no, they're dead. Okay. Oh, we're going back to this person. Next. Next. See, at the time, it was the class like, oh, my God, it could be any of them. But now we're like, who am I supposed to be centering this on? Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's it's the classic sort of like, I can see what you were trying to do there. And for some people, it's like, that's so cool. That's that's great that you bounce around so much. It's not just one story because you see something like the final girl kind of thing that's nice to to shake that up and win Inferno we get to which is now a trope oh very much a trope easily yeah. which is not a trope that's like this is a, this is breaking and subverting expectations no, no. As we're talking about mm. yeah this is 40 what 40, this is this 40, is forming 40. the tropes that this is exactly it yeah this yeah. is we now go in with that expectation and I've talked about this a lot you know coming in from my very 2020 2021 kind of outlook on films mm. going back and doing this stuff we've covered from the 50s and the 60s 70s 80s whatever and stuff I hadn't seen but I've seen all the fucking references to, and I've seen all of the things that I just mentioned scream there, all the things that have inspired since then. Mm. I'd seen all of those. So I'm like, well, yeah, and this is going to be setting up who's the final girl thing. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, and we're like, oh, who's going to die next? It's not a, oh my God, anyone can die at any time. Like, yeah, sure, they're all sure. going to die. Yeah, whatever. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, the rules. I'm desensitized things, yeah. to this. I know the rules. I know how this yeah. works because this happened 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, with regards to the ending and stuff, that became very jalo. Because once you've done a certain thing, the story's over. There's nothing yeah, to tell. Gone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. one could argue, and this is going to be a bit of a stretch here, sometimes a lot of Steven Spielberg films just end. I mean, I, if you take, for example, yeah. Jurassic Park, it's like, you're like, oh shit, T-Rex, Raptor Showdown. Uh, oh, the helicopter, oh, they gone. Oh, it's, it's over, it's over. Um, it's you, not that fast, but it's still, yeah. yeah. Mm. The difference is you get that moment and the helicopter's like, <laughs> yeah, oh, it's that's, a nice that's little, nuance. Yeah, it's a nice little like, final moment on oh, this yes. pterodactyl and there's kind of like the... But from the Italian mindset, you got, what? They're sitting outside in the rain, what's the, the problem? I think that, because with the, that, the example they're taking Jurassic Park, like he goes, sure. it peaks with all the like, oh my God, the raptors and the, and the big, like, the music, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, as well, the big sure, fucking T-Rex, sure. and oh my god, it's this huge thing, and then finally the banner escape. comes down. And the banner comes down, you, the music hits, mm. and then you get that quiet kind of moment, like I said, in the helicopter. Mm. With the the contemplative. It's the, and it's it's the like, coda, essentially. Yeah. Yes, yes. You get that peak of like, oh my god, it's this peak thing, and then it just comes down, you're kind of like, there's that relief at the end of like, oh, they've escaped, they're in mm. the helicopter. Whereas both Inferno and Suspiria end at that peak. And it's like, big explosion, the witch is dead, we're done. Like, yep. what, what Peace happened, out, what, motherfucker. What happened to Susie, or as we'll get to, what happened to the characters? Oh, oh mm. okay, we don't know, we're dead, okay, cool, we're done. Yeah, and I think, I think it's a fair, and again, I'm not going to defend it at all, I think it's a fair assessment, certainly, because it does. it is abrupt after this film's been slow 
in its pacing, just getting on with stuff and just constantly bombarding with things. Mm. But it's like, but where's this all going? And then suddenly, once you discover what the the mystery is, and again, there's a lot of other. It's Italian a witch. Shows. We're done. She's dead. <laughs> yeah, a lot of She's other in the basement. do yeah. the same thing where they're like, "Is the evil defeated? Yes. We now have looks at the watch. Twenty seconds to get this done. Why? I just decided." People are going to be bored. Well, enough, another sort of witch film that we've already covered. Blair Witch is a perfect example of this. Oh, that just ends, yeah. It just, oh, oh my God, there's a thing in the basement. Oh, there's a thing. Is there a thing? But that, we're gone. Yeah. Like, yep. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some history whereby Italians, uh, historically during cinemas, would see the film start to wind down and go, I don't need the rest of this. I'm going <laughs> to just walk off. And she go, I'm gone now. So they like start forming the cinema around that. Like, like the, the same way, like, Italian listeners out there, let us know. Do you just yeah. walk out like <laughs> for, well, like seven eights through a film? Yeah, coming into land. I'm getting out of my seat now. <laughs> I'm done. I get my bag. But it's the, it's, it's the idea that mid-credit sequences now in films. It used to be the whole. Yeah. There might be a post-credit sequence. Fuck, I'm not sitting through eight minutes of that shit. Mm. Fine, fine. We'll, we'll give just, you a we flashy just, we sequence. We just Google it now. And then mid-sequence. Okay, can yeah. you last? Can last that long? I don't know. Yeah, How flashy is get, the sequence? You get the sexy sequence. You get the mid-credits, and then there's just the scrolling text after that. Yeah. Like, and here's all the international stuff. Here's all the legal bollocks. Here's, yeah. here's the. 800 people who did CGI Here's and the not all of them did all of the work. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Did we murder any animals? Maybe. No. <laughs> right, so Inferno, let's say. Uh... Yes, on to 1980. Yeah, Inferno. Rose Elliott, a poet in New York City, purchases a book called The Three Mothers oh, from an antique dealer. The Three Mothers, Tim. Mm-hmm. Interesting. The book, written by an alchemist named Varelli, tells of three evil sisters who rule the world with sorrow, tears, and darkness <gasps> and dwell inside separate homes that he built for them. Mater Suspiriorum, the mother of sighs, li- lives in Freiburg. Mater Lacrimarum, the mother of tears, <gasps> mother of tears, <gasps> lives in Rome. And Mater Tenebrarum, the mother of darkness, lives in New York. Rose suspects that she is living in Mater Tenebrarum's building and writes to her brother Mark, a music student in Rome, urging him to visit her. Using the clues provided in the book, Rose searches the cellar of her building and discovers a hole in the floor which leads to a water-filled ballroom. She accidentally drops her keys and enters the water to find them, where she finds a putrid corpse. Real gross. Yeah. Yep. But also, never happened. We don't go back to that water-filled room again. No, it's very colourful. Yeah, when I was watching this, I was like, wow, we are moving, like you said, they're both fast-paced, like lots Mm. of shit is happening all the time, and there's always that, Mm. as soon as you start to settle down, shit, there's a dog. Mm. Oh my God, there's a ghost, there's a witch, something's Mm. going on. (laughs) Whereas this one was like, she knows the witches are there, she's straight there, she's in Mm. the fucking basement. I was like, Oh my god, we're gonna see the second mother, mm. <laughs> Tenenbaum, like mm. straight away at the beginning of this movie. Mm. No, don't, don't think about the. the Let's br- not think about that thing. Let's not think about the potentially very important basement lair. Like, no, no, yeah. no, no, we don't touch on that. Like, isn't that isn't that really fucking? Imp- no, okay, we're not. <laughs> we're just not going to talk about that. Okay. Yep. Okay. In Rome, Mark attempts to read Rose's letter during class. He is distracted by the intense gaze of another student who leaves suddenly. Mark follows, leaving the letter behind. His friend Sarah, because everyone's called fucking Sarah or Sarah in these Sarah films. Sarah, yeah. Dying. Susie, Sarah, Sarah. Yeah. Suspiriarum. Suspiriarum, <laughs> yeah. Picks up the letter and reads it. Horrified by the letter's contents, she goes to a library and finds a copy of The Three Mothers. Luckily, they have it there. Right behind you. Um, <laughs> trying to find her way out, she becomes lost in the library's basement. Oh, another basement. Uh, a monstrous figure waiting there recognises the book and attacks Sarah, and she drops the book as she escapes. So when I was watching this, mm-hmm. I was like, right, so there's a thing with basements. Yes. So that makes sense. So the witches hang out in the basement. Yes. And maybe this is like a weird, like, I went way too, like, magical about this. Like, 
So there's like a portal dimension, and they <laughs> they live in the basements. And when you go into a basement, a witch can appear. It connects all the basements. It connects in the all world. the basements. Like I thought of it as like the upside down from Stranger Things. <laughs> you end up in this creepy basement, mm. and maybe a witch will show up, and she's got the powers, and she'll do the thing, and she'll follow the book and all that kind yeah, of bollocks. Sure, sure. Like, oh, that L- makes sense. L space in uh, Discworld, where all Perfect. libraries are connected to e- other libraries. Exactly, exactly. All basements are connected to other basements. I was yeah. like, oh, that cool. That makes sense. No, no, no. I think I'm thinking about this way too much. Jalo. There's just a weird dude in the library basement who's got cauldrons with bubbling stuff. Yeah. You know how they do. You know, yeah. I thought that that was going to turn out to be like the library was going to be the Mater uh, Lacrimarum's lighthouse, but no. No. Returning home, she phones Mark, telling her to meet her there uh, and asks her neighbor, Carlo, to keep her company. Hey, yeah, I'll keep you. I've got nothing to do for a couple of hours. <laughs> uh, the lights go out, and both Sarah and Carlo are stabbed to death by a gloved killer. Ah, gloved killer. Yeah, yeah he's back. Mark discovers the bodies and two torn fragments from Rose's letter. He calls Rose, promising to visit, but the phone call is cut short. Rose sees shadowy figures preparing to enter her apartment. We're back in New York now. Uh, she leaves, but a clawed assailant catches her and guillotines her with the glass of a broken window. She thought she was going to be the final girl? Nope, she's dead. Yeah, this one does subvert expectations of what you might think because of the whole mm. male-female league stuff. Mm. Yeah. Arriving in New York, Mark goes to Rose's building, where he meets Carol, the concierge, and some of the residents, including a nurse who cares for elderly Professor Arnold, a wheelchair-bound mute. Because you have to have weird, like... Again, I'm using a very 70s, 80s angle, but the weird, like, circus freak type people are... There's the blind pianist and the weird mm-hmm. mute professor yeah, 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 yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, this, this butler who's got new teeth that he yeah. likes. They have to add these like real weird like physical deformities that yes. make yes. them really stand out. It's like, well, it's, it's blind classic... people are just people. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it's it's a, a classic th- cinema, and this continues now with Bond, oh, yeah. which is disfigurement, bad guy. Weird yeah. enough, I, I saw um, actor and activist Adam Pearson, who's the, the guy with the... Um, the large face, one way phrase here. Elephantitis. Uh, it's a type of. It's a, something similar to that. Sure, sure. He's in Under the Skin with. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and he talked about this, and when I think it was on the BBC, he was talking about how, like, yeah, all the Bond villains have physical disfigurement. They've mm. all got like weird scars on their faces mm, and stuff. Because yeah. only bad guys have scars, right? Mm. And there's him being like the nicest dude in the world. Yeah. yeah. Being like, I'm a fucking actor. Yeah. Why are you casting all these like? Mm. Famous Hollywood people and they're being like, yeah. oh no, now Rami Malek's got a bit mm. of a scar. Like, first of all, we're not all bad people. That's a very bad thing mm. to course, set a president of, of. And also, there's a bunch of disabled actors and people with yeah. actual physical ailments and stuff that would love to be cast in these roles. Mm. Hey, cast us, you motherfuckers. These like, able-bodied people are being brave. How dare mm, you? It, yeah, yeah, exactly. Also, it, 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 it's weird, but just to get on a bit of boring tangent here, Bond has a scar in the book. He has yes, a scarred face. Does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck it's sake. Anyway. I remember I remember when The Matrix Reloaded came out and there were people saying like um like albinism is always used to denote villains oh, in so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, they're creepy ghosts because yeah. they've got albinism. It's like, yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. Uh right, so uh Professor Arnold wheelchair bound mute. Uh, Mark... Fucking evil bastard, isn't he? Yeah. Mark encounters the sickly Countess Elise. Again, sickly. Sickly. Yeah. Who tells him that Rose has disappeared. Mark inhales a strange odour, becoming, <laughs> I- becoming ill and falling unconscious. Hot bum smell. We've all been there after a long sequelizer session. Yeah. <laughs> Better right now. Huffing <laughs> a strange odour. Yeah. Oh, smells like dude in here. <laughs> Elise sees a black-robed figure dragging Mark away, but the figure stops and gives chase to Elise. Elise is swarmed by rabid cats in 
a hilarious sequence. Amazing. Yep. Yep. Uh, and the figure stabs her to death. They basically just they. It, it's so clearly just people throwing cats at her. <laughs> yeah. It's like the X Files episode. Yeah, yes, it or, is, or yeah. the uh, yeah. the bit in Community where there's just a cat yes. being thrown at them Who in the basement. Who keeps throwing these cats? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Mark staggers to the apartment building's lobby where Carol and the nurse put him to bed. The following morning, Mark asks Kazan- uh, Kazanian, the antique stealer who sold Rose the, the Three Mothers, about his sister's whereabouts, but this yields no information. That night, Kazanian tries to drown several cats in a Central Park pond because he's sick of all the damn cats. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, uh, but he falls into the water. Hundreds of rats from a nearby drain crawl over him, gnawing his flesh. Good, uh. fuck this guy. Yeah, a hot dog vendor hears Kazanian's cries for help and rushes over, but then proceeds to kill him with a knife. Maybe my favourite bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's the subverting of expectations, eh? Like, oh my God. He's going to go, oh no, I finished him off. That's, it's, that's it's hilarious. Late 70s, early 80s, New York, of course, are going to die in the park. <laughs> the fuck were you thinking? Um, it's like, uh, he's the rats doing that. don't kill you. The hot dog yeah, vendors he's will. He's either coming there for the meat for his hot dog from those dirty rats. Yeah. Like, way! Feeding time! <laughs> More strange deaths occur in the building when Carol and Elise's butler, John, plot to take advantage of the Countess's death by stealing her valuables. A hidden figure kills John, pulling his eyes out, and when Carol finds his corpse, she drops her candle, starting a fire. Attempting to put out the flames, she becomes entangled in burning draperies and Idiot. falls from a window to her death. Of course. The building's now on fire. That will become important. The building's <laughs> on fire again. It's the same yep. ending. It's the same yeah, thing. yeah. It's the same film. Precedent has been set. Mark uses the final clue from Rose's letter to discover that beneath each floor is a secret crawl space connected to a hidden stairwell. Oh, they're all connected. I was right all along. Right, yep. guys? <laughs> we're going to find those old basements, right, guys? Shut the fuck up, Jack. Yeah, Jalo. We're going to go back to that flooded basement that was right? beneath the, the really building. The really important creepy bit right at the beginning that yeah. kind of set the whole... No, okay. No. You, uh, are, you no, ask too much. Yeah, I really do. We've blown all of our money for underwater filming. Yeah. Just, yeah. But knowing Italian filmmaking, five people probably died on that set. Yeah. <laughs> At the bottom is a suite of rooms where he finds Professor Arnold. Arnold, speaking via an electronic voice generator, like that dude out of South Park, um, yeah. uh, reveals that he is in fact Varelli, the alchemist who built the buildings. He tries to kill Mark with a hypodermic injection, but during the struggle, Varelli's neck is caught in his vocal apparatus and it is quite funny. chokes to death. Mark? I'm just shrugging, listen. Yeah. You can hear me shrugging. He's like, ah, ah. Yeah. He, doesn't, watch him. he doesn't turn the needle back on him and kill him. He chokes on his own voice box thing and it's like, yeah. yep. And then he comes, he, and then Mark comes and frees him from it, but he dies anyway. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Mark follows a shadowy figure to a lavish chamber where he finds Varelli's nurse. <gasps> Laughing oh, maniacally, she nurses. reveals to him that she is Mater Tenebrara. Yeah. She vanishes but reemerges through a mirror as death personified. That was quite cool. Mm. I do like the disappearing into a mirror kind yeah. of vibe. Yeah. That's quite cool. The, the, the fact that it turns around he's not there is cool. it's just like the reflection is quite cool. Gen- genuine creepy, like, oh, oh, that's quite yeah. cool. Yeah. Un- yeah. Unsettling. Yeah. Mirrors always do that quite well, I think. Yeah, mm. yeah. <clears throat> the classic thing of like, you see the thing mm. in the mirror behind you and then it's not there. Or you move and then your mirror version has doesn't move or yeah. has a delay or something creepy. Mm-hmm. Mirrors in horror films are always creepy. Yeah, yeah I, I recommend uh, Oculus. Oh, Oculus, oh is yeah, 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 Oculus, Oculus is good. Uh, however, the fire that has consumed much of the building enables Mark to escape from the witch's den. Uh, debris crashes down on the fiend, de- destroying her. Film's over. Cool. Film's over. <laughs> credits. Quick, quick, quick. Get to the credits. Go, now, go, 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 go. This is vitally important. Both films are lauded with praise. People love them for different reasons. Some say, oh, Inferno's not as good. Some prefer, like Jack prefer Inferno to Suspiria. But they have a very 
clear structure mm. and they follow a very clear and a themes and style. style. Yeah, a style everything key, about yeah, them feels linked to a degree, even though they may not be, they are thematically linked, but not necessarily directly linked, even though they kind of allude to each other as we an should, afterthought. We should also note that one of the reasons that Suspiria has kind of got the legacy it does is the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. By, oh, by yeah, Goblin, we have touched on the soundtrack. Um, which mm. is really, really good. It is good. Um, and overbearing. <laughs> very overbearing. Yes. But per- per- that's kind of a tra- like a trope of Jalo as well. Is yeah. Like the, the music defines the atmosphere. It's an audible assault. So much. Yeah. 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 And then uh, Inferno, the music is by uh, Emerson of Emerson Lake Palmer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also, it's a little bit more, it's less kind of electronic, which Goblin was very like innovative for its time. It was yes. like very early electronic music. Emerson's a bit more like get the keyboards out the synths, yeah, um, but still a very distinctive and and good soundtrack. I would say I think so too. Not so much for uh, Mother of Tears. Everything is not so much for Mother <laughs> of Tears. I, Mother we... of Tears has almost no redeeming qualities. Should we jump forward twenty-seven years into the distant future of two thousand and seven? My God, we're all alive now. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're confused and think like God, this is real, like a bunch of nonsense. You ain't seen nothing or heard. <laughs> yeah, you ain't heard nothing yet, listeners. I'm, I'm gonna. Well, I mean, I would say Mother of Tears has a much more conventional structure in a lot oh, of yeah. ways. Oh, it's yeah. just shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just to give a bit of background, by nonsense here, I meant crap. Yeah, not, yeah. Not, not confusing. Was fascinated with a handful of things about this sort of triangle link between this this sort of location between Germany, Switzerland, and Italy. This sort of like this this triangle here mm. is like this cursed land, and, and you had this whole thing about Thomas de Quincey. You know, Thomas de Quincey is an English uh, 18th century writer. Mm. Fucking drug-addled weirdo. <laughs> um, I think one of the most famous books he wrote was Confessions of an English Opium Eater. We just got high and went in the street. And oh, like, yeah. What yeah. the fuck's going to happen? And he did this thing about the uh, Suspirium de Profundis. What the fuck is it called? Um, Suspiria de Profundis. And mm. it's like it basically the three mothers thing. He talks mm. about the different fates and blah, blah, blah. And this is where this comes from. And, and Argento found it fascinating as a concept that really comes out in inferno the mm. law comes out in inferno yeah because it's not mentioned really at all in, in spirit uh, not really Suspiria. part of it yeah it almost feels like it's an afterthought but it's not it's actually cleverly done as an afterthought like, mm. oh it ties it oh i see mm. and it doesn't do it too intrusively that underwrites anything that's in Suspiria. if anything it elevates Suspiria, which is quite nice even mm. for some people Suspiria was already there yeah anyway um yeah you get you if you didn't get it from my uh, from my synopsis. You get a big law dump at the start of it. Oh god, there's so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of helpful and kind of not. But the thing is, it sets up the third one. There's so much. Like, okay, there's a third building. It's mm. in Rome. There's a witch. She's in the basement. Yeah. We know what's happening. It's gonna be very colourful. Mm. This one was very blue. This one's very red. What's the next one gonna be? Yeah. It's 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 fucking Lucas. Yeah. It's the symmetry and the rhyming and the ah. Oh, I can't wait for the third one. Mm. And obviously, he does a lot of other things and. Um, other films and other qualities that have different bits and pieces with the mm. same like, like phenomena, for example, feels like the third one for a, for a long period of time. It's like, oh, there's another school that someone's come to. Mm. It's an American student mm. in a school. It and... feels weird that he has a film called Tenebrae. Oh, when, I know. Yeah, when it's, it's made to Tenebrae. Yeah, and... yeah, I thought the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, it, and there are so many elements in the other things, but they're not the official third one. And the concept of the Three Mothers thing being the based on this whole Greek and Roman mythology stuff and the idea of you know the, 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 the midwife to the world kind of mm. thing it's like this is really crazy but that's not really in the film much it's like that's subtext to know going into it to make it better as an experience mm. now I bring this all up because Mother of Tears is fucking awful <laughs> it is really <laughs> shocky 2000s um, 
Euro trash horror. Yeah. Um, and, and there are some versions of that that I like. Um, the Ninth Gate. I know it's a Roman Polanski film. Polanski's a piece of shit. That kind of film. I, I like the idea behind it. I like the sort of Euro road trip. Like, oh, well, it's kind of weird shit's happening here. One could even argue in a weird way, End of Days is a, is a New York equivalent. Mm. Um, but my fuck, it's so badly done. And it tries to take on contemporary tropes and it feels like fucking Alone in the Dark or an Uwe Boll <laughs> film. It's, it's just... Ugh. And it, it, we talked about how kind of Giallo in its history was kind of exploitative and, and, mm -hmm. and sexualized and stuff like this. But looking back now is not actually that bad. The same comments I'm making about Basic Instinct. Yes. It's like, oh, it's so sexual. It's so tense. Like, well, it's fine. Yeah. By contemporary eyes. Yeah. Whereas Mother of Tears has just so many gratuitous tits in it. Tits are plenty. Tits and are plenty. monkeys. If, if your sequel isn't called Tits are Plenty, Matthew, you've gone wrong somewhere. Tits are plenty. <laughs> tits and tits and the monkeys. Ook, ook, say the monkey, why play with your tits? Sure. Part three. Yeah. Mother of tits. <laughs> Mother of tits. I'm sorry, Italian people. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. For nothing. A construction crew working with Catholic officials dig up a casket with a box chained to it that everyone insists on calling an urn. It's not a fucking urn. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> an urn is a little like vase looking motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. Not this a is, casket. This is a box. This is a, box. This, this is a tomb. The cardinal in charge ships the urn, not an urn, to Michael Pierce, an expert in the occult at the Museum of Ancient Art in Rome. When it arrives, Michael is away and Giselle, a curator, and Sarah, a Sarah! student. Sarah! Yep, another fucking, fucking Sarah. Sarah. What's with all the Sarahs? Hang on. Dario Argento only knows one woman's Seriously? name. Yeah. Sarah, um, Sarah, Sarah. You'll notice that the start of this does not really line up with any of the other stuff yeah. we've had thus far. Correct. Yep. Uh, so, uh, yep, Giselle, a curator, and Sarah, a student, decide to open it. Inside, they find a dagger, three statues, and a tunic that acts as a talisman. You would think all of those things are important. Only one of them matters. Yeah. They also okay. handle them really badly. It's like, yeah. oh, well, <laughs> so don't blow on it, your fucking yeah. dewy breath, you fucking You're meant to work in a museum. Yeah, Jesus. Where's all your little delicate brushes and stuff? I'll yeah. just open this. Oh, purposes. I just cut my fingers. Yes. Yeah. Of yeah. course you've... I bled on the box. Oh, of course you did. Yep. Sarah leaves to get a book, and Giselle is attacked by demonic figures that tear out her tongue and disembowel her. Also, there's a monkey. Monkey! <laughs> Monkey's so, the best bit. The monkey roams the corridor, then goes back, then goes back again, like, oh, oh, Sarah returns, witnessing Giselle's death, and is pursued through the museum by the monkey. Yeah. She is trapped by a locked door, but a mysterious voice tells her to go and opens the doors for her. Uh, yeah. She calls the police to investigate, but are dismissive, and Sarah spends the night with Michael, who she is dating. The talisman is returned to Meta Lacrimarum, who uses, it, uses its powers to cause a spike in violence across Rome which is kicked off by a woman booting a baby <laughs> into a river. It's so good. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's like, oh, it's like holds when, and then drops this dummy really badly. Really so shitty looking stupid. dummy. Yeah. It's like when Jack Black kicks the dog into yes. the river in uh, Anchorman. Anchorman. Anchorman yeah. Yeah. Yes. Paul Baxter getting yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. He's like, that's clearly a stuffed animal. Yeah. But the thing is, that's for comedy purposes. This is like, it's a baby. It's serious now. Yeah. Baby died. In the same I, way I laughed out loud. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna send that it's right now. Things you see in seventies and eighties movies where you see like someone fall off a cliff and then you see this sort of mannequin style yeah. thing <laughs> wafting in the breeze. Like the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael goes to visit the cardinal who sent him the quote unquote urn, um, yeah. but he has a uh, he has had a stroke and is now in a coma. Course. The junior priest tells him the urn appears in legends going back to the nineteenth century, not that old, uh, and brought death. <laughs> 
<laughs> brought right, death right, and Tim. distraction wherever it went. Hmm? Yeah, for Italy, that's nothing. Yeah. That's true, that's true. He gives Michael a note the Cardinal wrote just before his stroke with the name Mater Lacrimarum. As Michael leaves, a pair of witches observe him. Sarah goes to visit Michael and discovers his son has been kidnapped by witches to force him to stop investigating. He rejects Sarah's idea of going to the police and instead seeks out an exorcist to help him. Of course. Meanwhile, more and more witches arrive in Rome like it's some kind of satanic hen weekend. It's awful. <laughs> it's so bad. They're like literally going to the airport like, ah, in your yeah. face. Like, what the fuck is this? There's like one Japanese. Like, Tutamate! Yeah. Oh! It's like, what? In the Seriously, fuck is going yeah. on here? Yeah, it's like a really shitty convention. It's just yes, it's Rome. it's it is literally some very very enthusiastic goth cosplayers. The yeah. craft con is here. Yes, yes. and it, I'm not just slagging people off who literally just identify as goth or otherwise. Hey, it's Matt, you had a floor length <laughs> black leather jacket I, back I in the did. day. Like, there you go. In Still... this era, I might have been wearing it. Yeah. It looks yeah. like they shipped over the extras that were in the desert in Queen of the Damned. Yes. Oh yes, yes Queen exactly. of the Damned. Of That's course. exactly yeah. it. And it's like, this is Jonathan like, right? Davis when you need him. <laughs> Question. Yeah. yeah. These are, these are yeah, witches, that, right? But you better have some I, Jonathan, Jonathan I, Davis in your fucking bitch. I was going to say, I love the idea that the witches all arrive and you cut back to the play and it's. <laughs> oh, Mr. Captain speaking. <laughs> if you look out the left hand side, you'll see. <laughs> And later we'll be serving twist. <laughs> Thank you for flying Corn Airlines. Uh, as Sarah researches the occult, Michael calls her asking for help. Searching for him, she goes to a train station where she is pursued by both witches and the police who have been tailing her. Yeah. The disembodied voice returns, instructing Sarah on how to make herself magically invisible and she evades the police. Yep. <laughs> hanging, hanging out in a bookstore. <sighs> Press up against the wall and go, ooh. Yeah. Uh, after boarding a train, she is cornered by a witch, but manages to kill her by slamming her head in the disabled toilet. Yep. It's a Japanese one, isn't it? I think. It yeah, is. Yeah, yep. it is. <laughs> that face is so fucking fake as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's like trying to close a toilet door. <laughs> Broken half the time. Or British oh. trains, anyway. Sarah travels to the exorcist's home where she meets Marta, who explains she was a friend of Sarah's mother. Sarah's mother was a white witch and is the voice that has been guiding her. When Sarah was young, her mother dared to challenge Mater Suspiriorum, and as a result, both of Sarah's parents were killed in a car crash caused by the witch. And we get a little Suspiria shout out here, we like do, Susie yeah. Banyan gets yes. mentioned. Yes. The exorcist explains that while the other two Maters are dead, opening the urn has restored the Mother of Tears' powers, and she is trying to usher in a new age of magic. Just undoing the whole thing that we talked about before. As you mentioned, the whole like, oh yeah, you kill one and then they all, all their followers get destroyed and mm. that weakens the sisters are tied together. The three mothers, oh yeah, they're all. Mm. And then you're like, oh, we opened a coffin and she's more powerful than ever. Yep. Then what's the point in the she whole. Got, she got her magic shirt back. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. It's the like. The power of titties. Covered up. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, the priest, uh, we should say, uh, the, the exorcist slash priest here, played by the peerless Udo Kier. His whispering German voice. Yes. Hey, <laughs> do you want a guy to give you bad vibes? <laughs> Udo Kier's here. Hey, is uh, is Werner Herzog available? No, no, no. no. I'm free. Yeah. We'll, well, we'll do I, other creepy whispering German. How free are you? I've just done filming a corn video called Make Me Bad. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you will fit in well. <laughs> You're hired. Sir. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Is is everyone here for the corn music video? Or you have a mother? Both. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> You'll fit in nicely. Yeah. 
Left, right, center, center, fine. Okay, there you go. Yeah, center merges to both. That's fine. Uh, the priest goes to fetch a book, but is killed by one of his patients, who has also eaten her baby. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, Sarah and Marta flee back to the city, where Sarah finds evil forces waiting for her at her apartment. Hello. The door does a funny thing, and then she just goes like, fuck that. Yeah. 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 The one sensible decision anyone makes yes, in any of these films. Yeah. Yeah. Screw that. Uh, she reunites with Marta, who teaches her how to use magic to contact her mother. Yeah, Wizard Harry. That night, the monkey... Hey. It's back, enters Marta's apartment, bringing more goons who kill Marta and her partner. Sounds like a rope, doesn't it? I think it, it does. does. Yeah. 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 We also get a gratuitous like lesbian a monkey. sex scene oh, in here. Yeah, we do, yeah. You've got to have gratuitous sex scenes, yeah. Matthew. What? You've got to have Jarlo. Yeah, gratuitous <laughs> sex in your This is going to be the cleanest Jarlo. I'm not horny Tim. Oh, no. <laughs> or am I? Oh. Uh, Sarah flees, guided by her mother's spirit, until she spots Michael, who takes her back to his apartment. He tells her that he thinks his son has been killed, but is acting oddly. He realizes, she realizes that he has also been murdered and reanimated by the Mother of Tears to attack her. She sets him on fire and flees, but he follows until her mother's spirit appears for a final time, dragging both of them to hell. Fucking awful. What the yes. fuck is going on here? Cuddled by a ghost. Yeah, yes. terrible yeah. special effects. It, it looks like dog shit. Worst. Yeah. Classic 2000s, we can fix it with CGI. No, you can't. Seriously, yeah. 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 Um... Sarah locates an alchemist mentioned by both Marta and her mother. After testing her to see if her intentions are good, he provides her with a copy of the Three Mothers. Returning to Rome, she tracks a group of witches to Mater Lacrimarum's home. Didn't really need the book, just needed to follow the goths wandering about. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, and she encounters Detective Marchi, one of the uh, policemen who has been tracking her. The pair descend into the catacombs beneath the house but gets separated and Marchi is captured. Of course. Marchi is brought before the Mother of Tears and her cannibalistic followers, who have also captured the alchemist and his assistant. A lot of booby stuff going on. A lot of boobs. A lot of, lot of uh, transgressive sexual things. Dirty oh, Italians. Oh, ladies like kissing other ladies. It's like a fucking Zion rave down there. <laughs> I was just about to make the same comparison. <laughs> fucking hell. It's like fucking Zion. <laughs> it is. Big sex rave. Yep. That's the end of the world. It's, it's like that, rave. but with, with blood instead of mud. So <laughs> it's Zion meets the club in Blade. Yes. Exactly. Shit. It's the vampire blood, yeah. 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 But on a, on a budget of... 15 like, quid. 15 euros. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah. yes, euros. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. 18 euros, not 15 pounds. Yes. <laughs> and yet somehow paid in lira. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sarah observes as Marchi is stabbed with a spear and the monkey alerts the witches to her presence. <laughs> God damn monkey. monkey. Fucking monkey. Uh, she is brought before Mater Lacrimarum, but uses the spear to tear off the talisman and throw it into a fire. We see boobies. We see boobs. Yep. Yep. She takes you. You see the... You see the 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 Tasman like shirt going on in slow motion as it pans down the naked yeah. body, and then you see it whipped up. She goes, "Oh no, ah. don't look at me!" <laughs> and it's like, what "The fuck is going on here?" Yeah. Uh, this causes the mansion to collapse, uh, and the mother of tears is impaled on one of the spires. It looks stupid. It looks really dumb. Yep. Uh, the catacombs begin to collapse, killing the other witches. And Sarah also uh, almost drowns in weird, like, porridge oat shit. I don't yeah. know what the fuck it's meant it's to be. It's kind of mulchy skull crap. Yeah. Bone yeah. It's, like they crap. Got, it's like they got to the end of the film and were like, oh, we haven't drenched Asia Argento in anything yet. So <laughs> let's just, like... Well, I know she's effectively finished the film, but let's just dump a Bunker bunch of weird stuff on her. They have the same Said thing. her dad. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh. We'll get to that in a second. We, they have the same thing in, in, in Phenomena, where she's pushed into this literally just... this. 
quagmire in, in a house about, yeah it's like, yeah. it's like it's like what mm. is that it's like or just putrid flesh mulch mm. like you know in the way that you know when you boil you know when you boil flesh it becomes soap um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's sort of like acidic. never say that sentence again on a recording matthew you will be on a list somewhere i'm probably on my yeah, list. plenty of lists yeah but the point is <laughs> most amazing podcaster <laughs> um in this no. chair no, um maybe. name then no, but the idea is it's just the, the decomposing mulch of human flesh. It's like yeah. it's just meant to be putrid, ugh, maggots and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just so innocuously anything. It just, that it's just looks like porridge. That's the problem. It yeah. becomes like, oh, but it doesn't look like anything specific, so I'm just going to go... Oh, ready oh, break. Nice. Yeah. Oh, oh. That makes it glow <laughs> in the dark. Uh, she almost drowns, but is saved by Marchie, who's not... He's be, fine now. He's fine now. He was, stabbed, he was definitely like mortally wounded like yeah, five minutes Yeah, I think ago, right, it's meant to be that sh- her magic has healed him, but it never actually shows they that never, Yeah, they never addressed that. All right, Ray. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Star Wars. Uh, the pair escape to the surface and laugh in relief at having survived. End. Rained. Laughing. Yeah. But the difference uh, is they're laughing. They don't laugh in the other two films. I was going to say, at least we get a, a moment with the protagonists at the end, I guess. Whereas it, this would have been like, and they escape and credit. Yeah. <laughs> Would have been the other two, but yeah, yeah. Not, I'm not complimenting the ending. No, of this no, no, movie no. I get it because this movie is a big piece of shit. I think nothing about this film feels really linked tangentially in in terms of the visual style, the uh, cinematography, the audio treatment, the score, the even the the the, the beats of the story. You have to be told these three are linked. Mm. Yeah, and they do that with the fucking book over and over and over again. Like, see linked to the other movie. There's three of them. Three witches, three mm-hmm. mothers. Here's the book, The Three Mothers. And as we just talked about, it fucking matter. book doesn't tell them anything. All the people that read the book end up in the wrong place. Follow the fucking corn festival. Go and follow the fucking <laughs> goths. Uh, follow the leader, if you will. Follow the leader, exactly. <laughs> That's an album by God. Yeah. <laughs> Go and follow the bullet going through all the things and freak on a leash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, they harp on about this fucking book and they make it like, oh, there's only so many copies in existence and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And it's like, we've destroyed three of the mm. five remaining copies or something. They give mm. some arbitrary mm. fucking number. None of that matters. No. They just Who go to the... Yeah. It's in the fucking catacombs. Yeah. Of course, it's in the fucking catacombs. Where else is it going to be? Whenever somebody needs to find the book, they find a copy really easily. Yeah. And then it turns out that that doesn't actually matter at all. Oh, it's in this library. Oh, perfect. Go off and do something completely yeah. unrelated. Oh, I've lost know. it straight away. It turns out that doesn't matter. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And they harp on about it again and again. And it feels like it's like one of the few things that is, it's almost like Argento is going, remember I did films that people liked yeah. 25, 30, 40 years ago? Like, don't forget, I used to do cool things in the 70s and 80s. And you don't remember? Well, I'm going to remind you again. Well, here's my naked daughter. And again, here's my naked daughter. I'm going to remind <laughs> you again. And again, it's like, we get it. Three mothers. The thi- Fuck off. None, it, that doesn't matter. It weirdly reminds me a little bit of the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. Yes. Where, where, yes they, where they essentially like had no idea the first film was going to be a success. And were like, okay, now we're going to make two sequels at basically we the same time. We need loads of lore. We need a bunch of lore. Like, yeah. what can we take from the first film and turn it? It's like, oh, we had that compass. Okay, let's make that. Like, it did. In the original, in the first film, it just pointed to like where the treasure was stored. But yeah. what if it pointed to like your heart's desire or something? Oh yeah, good, write that down. It's like he kind of goes back, like retroactively yeah, engineers he, it. It's yeah. like sort of he made Suspiria and was like, oh, I've still got stuff to say about these witches. Let's make Inferno. And then he comes along and does Mother of Tears. It's like fuck. Okay, so what did I have in the first two films? I had a book. 
Imagine uh, having an idea and I had a... 30 years later trying to follow that idea up. Like, yeah, pretty much, I wrote yeah. this down somewhere. Yeah. 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 The book was important, but I can't really think what they do with it. But I'll have the book show up just so people know. And I'll mention Susie Banyan. That, that'll be a little nice nod for them. It's the, cheapest, the, nerds. It's the cheapest kind of fan service. Yeah, it is. For, yeah. It, uh, but not referencing the originals in any way people would like, which is the stylistic, which is yeah. basically what people like about Suspiria is the visual storytelling and the. Yeah, the, the the cinematography of it. Yeah, entirely, and I think that's where Mother of Tears fails. If it was the same story, actually, no. To be honest, I, 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 the problem is we talk about this on sequelizers quite a lot, where we're like, how do we fix this movie? And studio pressure is usually that this is a hit, everybody, churn another one out. And it's like uh, we don't have time for that. We won't have a story. We we spent six years writing the script. Fuck you. You have a year. And then we need to be in production. Go, go, go. And that's why you get inferior quality, blah, blah. That's it's just how it works, unfortunately. Sometimes you get really lucky and it turns out better, like, you know, The Godfather or something like that. But other times it doesn't. And most of the time it doesn't, in fact. Unless you give it time to, to sort of germinate properly. Now, this specific story, even if you transposed it back to the past, like, say, you did it in mid-80s, it still doesn't work. No. It doesn't feel like it's connected. Visually, you could change it up, but it's so stylistically different in how it's telling its narrative. Mm. I mean, obviously, you would have the very graphic, visceral death sequences being very different anyway. Yeah. That's like, I, like, I bring up Phenomena a lot now because, again, that feels tangentially like a third one. Mm. Tanabray, kind of same thing. It, they yeah. feel like they're linked because they're mm. these, um, not just Jarlo films in general, but like, oh no, I can see. In the same way that if we take a director like, for argument's sake, fucking Tarantino, because mm. he's got very stylistic movies. Mm. There, are, um, there are like clusters. Mm. There are like, oh, he does his crime things where he's got Reservoir Dogs and Jackie Brown and Pulp Fiction mm. and stuff. And it's like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Then he does this sort of grindhousey schlock stuff with Kill Bill and, and um, Death Proof and things. Mm. Yeah, okay, fine. What, what's next? Then he does his alternate history vengeance tales mm. with, you know, Inglorious Bastards and Django, um, and, Django and, and, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's like, yeah, they, they have, you know, going through clusters and styles of things. It's weird to think he's going to go back and do like a crime one again. You're like, mm. yeah, he could, I guess. But it's like when you move on as a creative, you do that sort of stuff. But to just chuck one in in the middle there might yeah. feel a little out of place. Mm. It wouldn't feel a bit unusual. And that's kind of the thing with Argento. He's like, he's the most obvious choice to do this movie, but the story he's told and the time he chose to tell it are baffling. And it's often a common thing we do in sequelizers, right? Like, oh, bring back the original creator, we'll do it 20 Give it a years 20 later, gap. and then, yeah. oh, there's the characters that mm. come back, and it's always the character's son or whatever the fuck. Mm. It's the anniversary it, of this. It'll exactly, work perfectly, the legacy yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Classic kind of stuff that happens mm. in sequels, happens in our pitches. Mm. People love patterns and yeah. all that kind and of stuff. And it happens yeah. in reality. Because Mo Mother of Tears came out 30 years after Suspiria. Exactly. You know, you'd yeah. be like, oh, yes, great. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's got enough legacy behind it that it would work in mm. theory. Mm. I think it's worth pointing out like, we mentioned how so much of Suspiria happens in a single building yep. and is about the atmosphere of that building. And then Inferno splits itself between a few different locations, but it's kind of. It's it, at the end of the day, it's still all about a single building, which yeah. in a haunted house. Yeah, uh, and Mother of Tears has none of that. It's a, it's, it's like a fucking Dan Brown book, you know. Really it's is. Like a, yeah. Let's roam around. Let's roam around Rome, um, <laughs> which know, again, was and, popular at the time. Yeah, and doesn't doesn't get to the fucking witch's building, which is now a ruin, and so that all it has is catacombs until like the final ten minutes of the film. Yeah, pretty much. It takes all the core ideas of what these things have. It lays out a plot and a plan that tells you everything. And it, we do this on sequelizers all the time, where we highlight 
the rules have been established mm. and the th a third, fourth, whatever installment it is, sometimes subverting them can be the most, you know, uh, a panacea. It can be like mm. really healing. Oh, thank Christ. That feels fresh. Yeah. You've elevated this now. I like what came before, but I love this because it's mm. different. Whereas in this case, it's like, no, you told me what to expect mm. and I didn't get it. And that's just, for lack of a very, another word, very bad. Yeah. Um, and it's like, again, I, I, if you take other heavy genre pieces, like for argument's sake, uh, let's say a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more, mm. the good, the bad, and the ugly, mm. a similar sort of trilogy, mm. kind of yes, kind of no. Are they the same characters? Are they not? It's, mm. it's allegedly yes and no, but it doesn't matter. The point is, they don't follow the same plot, but they follow the same themes. Mm. They're presented the same way. Obviously, there's similar characters and actors and mm. that sort of stuff as well, obviously. But it, 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 they feel linked. And Inferno and Suspiria feel linked. Yeah, They absolutely. feel very similar. Um, they feel intentional. Mm. Mother of Tears feels like someone else has got their hands on the property. Yeah, and that's the, it. it doesn't feel like Argento. Nope. Like, as, as limited awareness of his like, work as I have, like if you'd have told me that it was the same filmmaker, I'd be like, "No, you're shitting me." Yeah. Like you know, there's there's nothing that connects Inferno and Suspiria to Mother of Tears. It's like a, it it feels like it's been given to some cheapo Euro director like knockoff thing. Oh yeah, yeah. To make thirty years later, and and it's mm. like yes, it was, but the cheapo Euro knockoff director happened to be the same person <laughs> who made the originals. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Which again, we've seen time and again with like. Oh, we got the original team, the original crew back. It's like, oh fuck, they've learned. That. A, a video game example is Shenmue, where it's like Shenmue Three. God, we've been for this forever. <laughs> oh my god, it's awful. What the fuck? Yeah. Did you learn nothing in the last thirty years? Or <laughs> yeah. whatever. In any case, video games twenty years. Which we should very quickly touch upon another thing just before we go into fixing this movie. The remake of Suspiria. Yeah, we need to talk mm. about that for sure. So. The reason we need to bring it up is because again, that's another example of a film that does not adhere to Jalo in the same way it's pitching to a contemporary audience and it is very bisected in its opinion from critics and fans of how it's been received in that some people think it's a really good recreation in the same way that uh, the woman in black with daniel radcliffe people mm. say this is a good hammer horror film people are like, no it's not no it's, like, it's not it's a good hammer horror film for this generation and so it's like yeah fair enough but it's not like the 80s. And it's like, of course it's not like 80s, 70s film. That would be fucking stupid. Unless you're making like The Love Witch where it aesthetically looks like that. And again, then you're only pitching to a very specific niche demographic. With Suspiria, they've gone for a creepy, unsettling thing and, you know, very janky camera angles and zooms and things and body horror twisting, contorted stuff. It looks quite good and stuff. But it's not good. Yeah. So um, interestingly enough, I know this is a thing we kind of touch upon sometimes is when you get a director that does their like, oh, their dream project or whatever, we we always bring in like, I think this director would really knock it out of the park. I know they have a history with this thing or yeah. whatever. You're like me bringing on De Palma for one of the of my Hannibal sequels. Mm -hmm. like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, he's got a history of all this kind of stuff and blah 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 blah. Yeah. Um, Guadagnino, who Luca Guadagnino, who directed the remake of Suspiria, basically spent, from what I understand, his entire career going. God, I'd really love to remake Suspiria. Yeah. I'd love to. Oh, fucking, I'm so influenced by, and him being, you know, him being Italian himself and obviously growing up around that sort of time and making films throughout the late 90s and all that sort of, he would have been a kid in the 70s and 80s. So by the time Suspiria had kind of had its influence and stuff, you know, he'd be a young man, teenager, whatever. And that's the perfect mm -hmm. time to be like, oh my God, yeah. Finally seeing influential Italian filmmakers and all this kind of stuff. 
I do wonder if he kind of hyped himself up a bit too much and then just kind of it's so different. I don't know, we we talked about Mother of Tears being so different because it's modern as well. But this is even more modern. This is two or three years ago at this point in the time of recording. Like it's this weird it it like I'm gonna spoil it because fuck it. It's we not just a, talked about Suspiria. It's, <laughs> it's not a good movie. But it's different enough from Suspiria that you have the twist where yes. it's like, oh, I I am the witch. It's like, wait, what? Like, but but the whole rest of the film, you're very clearly not the other witch, right? It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. It almost does like a Black Swan style thing where it's like... Very much so. Yeah. It's a very like, oh, a psychological twist and all this kind of stuff. You're like, okay. So, and they, they even try to explain like, if you go into this with no context, which... I would have done if I hadn't specifically watched the other ones for this yeah. fucking podcast. If I just stumbled across Suspiria on Amazon and been like, you know what, I am in a horror mood. I'll just give it a go. I've, I've heard of this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's the original. It'll be fine. I would have no idea and just be like, yeah, I'll tell the Swinton looks a bit weird. I mean, she's told the Swinton, so obviously. Yeah. Oh, she looks weird again. She's playing multiple characters. Okay, that's weird. That's very weird. So what's this about witches? Where's this come from? And suddenly it's like, Oh, and by the way, Mother Marcos, touching on original yeah, Suspiria, yeah. we touched on Helena Marcos. I am, uh, what's the other one? It is Suspiria. Suspiriorum. Yeah, she is just yeah. Suspiriorum. And I'm like, Who do your worship is like Suspiriorum? Ah, that's me. Ah, <laughs> motherfucker, that's me. There like, are so many things about this film that it almost gets right. I think Dakota Johnson's dancing is pretty fucking intense. Mm, and yeah. that contortion scene with the Black Swan style where you get very really much like, intense, yeah, yeah. creepy scenes there. Yeah, yeah and Tilsman's great fucking casting in this. Mm. Uh, the amount of bad German isn't great. <laughs> um, there's a lot that doesn't work. It's too fucking long. Um, I said it's over an hour longer than the original. Yeah, the yeah, first it's film. two and a half hours. Where yep. most long most hours. of the others Welcome. clock in at basically the hundred minutes. They know Welcome what they're doing. To modern cinema, yeah. everything is. How long can this film be? Yeah, but I would say that for every bits of it that gets right, it's quite interesting. And like, yeah, it's doing certain things, and I can see how it's inspired by Jalo. It's you mentioned before about the idea of the director of Dream Project. Sometimes. I don't know whether you want to be a president or a prime minister. <laughs> you can get so fixated on the idea of the job that when the job comes around, you're like, actually, I'm maybe not suited for this at all. Is that mm. back to Jurassic Park? Yeah. They don't really thought about if they could or <laughs> if they should. Yeah. I, I always maintained as a young f filmmaker and director, like, what would be your dream project? Because people ask you that. What would mm. you love to do? I said, Bioshock. I'd love to make a Bioshock. Oh, film. interesting. Yeah, and yeah. then as the years have gone by and I've got a very distinct directorial style and I know what I'm doing in myself, I'm like, no, I couldn't do Bioshock. It's mm. like, why not? Because I I would want to do something different with it, yeah. and that's not what Bioshock needs. Yeah. Um. And I tend to do more of a slow burn horror stuff, not or, or uh, sort of weird things as well as the weird comedy stuff, rather than what this thing would require. That's why Gore Verbinski was attached to direct that, and like he made sense, and then they couldn't get the budget <laughs> and blah blah blah. He knows water. He knows water. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Um. Water and crypt. I mean, he made cure for wellness because he did like all this you know stuff yeah. about you know the the concept stuff. I need to put this pre production stuff into something. But the point is. Sometimes you can think that's the perfect... It's like even with sequelizer, when we do a pitch and we say, this is the fix, here's the story, here's the cast, here's the director, like, that's it, perfect. Sometimes in the execution you go, why didn't this work? I mean, Luca Guadagnino is kind of a weird pick for it because if you look at his previous films, like they'd all been these kind of very just kind of like interpersonal dramas, yeah. mainly. Um He'd worked, you know, he'd worked a lot with the, the cast that he's assembles for Suspiria. Yeah, but he's, Tilda Swinton is a recurring actor yeah. across his uh, Dakota work. Johnson he'd worked with before and yep. stuff like that. But you wouldn't 
there's nothing in his previous films, I don't think, my limited awareness Not of outwardly, them, no. that like points towards, oh yeah, this guy's going to make a horror. And like his next film is like a romance horror. And he's also produced a like an action film with uh, mm. John David Washington in it. He's it's a weird like pivot in it, like halfway through his career to just be like, now I make horror films. I make kind of like, yeah, horror films, and I'm like producing much more populist stuff. Whereas before, yeah. I was just like adults in a room talking about feelings. Um, <laughs> I I quite I think I liked Suspiria more than the both of you. Um, this could be worse. Yeah, like I think there's moments. I think of the, of the four, is it your favourite, Tim? Uh... Ooh, interesting question. Actually, rather with that. Is the, is, is the remake your favorite? What is your favorite? It, it would be the one that I would most want to go back and rewatch. I agree with you there. I think it's the easy, despite its length, I think it's the easiest one to watch. I also think it's got a lot, like, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to pick apart in there. I think it has a lot that it's trying to say. I'm not sure everything that it's trying to say is the best or, like, mm-hmm. expressed necessarily well, but I think there's. There's a lot of themes running around in the film, and I'd like to sort of get to grips with them a bit better and see what yeah. I see what I get the second time around that I didn't the first time around. Which I think there's stuff in Suspiria, um, and there's stuff in Inferno that, that that probably has like those kind of themes. Mother of Tears is not is not a film with themes. <laughs> there is a theme, and the theme is that monkey want to see some titties. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry, listeners. <laughs> Or nada. You're not. You're not wrong. No, probably for nothing. Um, I would say one of the Suspirias is probably my favourite. Fair. That's fair. a fair. That's a fair one. Jack, what about you? I see Inferno. Inferno. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you loved Mark's creepy blonde mustache. <laughs> I did. It's the highlight of the whole thing. He looks like if uh, Carrie Elwes had got into porn. Ooh, that's oh, very that's very good. A good shout. That's Tim. a good. Yes. Yeah, that's a good yeah. uh, mental image. Yeah, mm. for you listeners. Mm. Um, he saw his own foot off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> saw his own foot off with a dildo. Oh. <laughs> um, I actually think it's a toss-up uh, between the original Suspiria and Inferno because I think both. I think it's, Inferno gets a lot of flack, but it's perfectly fine. And Suspiria gets so much credit for being perfectly fine. Um, I, 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 I do understand the cultural relevance and significance. I understand its impact on the genre. I understand that on the Jalo front, it is actually very unsettling. And the airport scene lit with this fucking humming neon light. Is just, yeah, yeah. It, it's surreally beautiful because it's the, so heightenedly weird. Yeah, the opening of it is, and the and the bit in the plaza with the um the the, the piano teacher getting like followed around by this swooping presence yes. like those are such standout sequences <laughs> yeah and i think it just there's there's moments of it hits such highs um but there, there's other moments where it's just like where is this why is this fucking meandering nonsense <laughs> yeah and then i think later when we get to rotten tomatoes we're gonna have a lot of fuck off <laughs> very easily today's episode is sponsored by audible those fine folks bringing you audiobooks podcasts and other such comedy recordings in the thousands with Audible, you can download titles and listen offline anytime, anywhere. The app is free, can be installed on smartphones and tablets. Um, Jack and I have used Audible for many, many years. Indeed, yes. Tim, you like some Audible, right? Yeah. Tim likes some Audible. And if you can't decide what to listen to, there's tons of things you can obviously get recommended. Obviously, everyone knows a podcast. We're on there, for God's you sake. You can listen to us on there, yeah, exactly. exactly. But we have a specific recommendation kind of linked into what we're discussing today. And that is Heroes, Gods, and Monsters of the Greek Myths by Bernard Evslin, which is then rated by... Todd Hebicorn. I love mythology stuff. I mean, this has very much come up in previous pitches that I've done over the past, uh, whether it 
it's, you know, Roman and Greek mythology are kind of linked in. It's like, can I copy your homework and I'll just change the names sort of thing. So having this thing, it's a really highly rated audio version and it's exclusive to Audible. Um, so it's a cool one to, to sample and download. And speaking of sampling, if you use audibletrial.com sequel and go there, you can get a 30-day free trial and one free audiobook. So if you're thinking to yourself, I'd love to do that. I don't know where to start. Well, I'll tell you. Heroes, Gods, and Monsters of the Greek Myths by Bernard Everslin. So thank you very much to Audible for sponsoring us, and be sure to head over there today. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly one million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the US Postal System and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running printing official posters for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send it. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping with Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool. You can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option for you and your business. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk, and with our promo code POD, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type POD. That's Stamps.com, promo POD, P-O-D, Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. So as is tradition... Since 1977. The prophecy has foreseen. The prophecy has foreseen the three films that we shall discuss on Rotten Tomatoes. The three sequelizers will unite. Exactly. The triangle lines up from New York to Rome to somewhere in sort of Germany. <laughs> to somewhere. Norwich. To yeah. Norwich. It all points to Norwich. To Tim's house, to my house, to Jack's house. Tomatometer. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about some Rotten Tomato scores. If you're new to the show, if you're new to Rotten Tomatoes, that is the positive reviews and they define that as six out of ten sixty percent three out of five all that good stuff the percentage we will be discussing is from critics and there's also some audience scores as well and that's the percentage of positive reviews as counted and collected by the fine folks at rotten tomatoes Mm. at time of recording sometimes they change especially with the older films they do like dig back and discover an old review that will get added on and archived and all that kind of stuff so do bear with us if the numbers are wrong. They ha- we have been wrong by the time of publication in the past. We'll get to that. We've talked about the three mothers. We're going to talk about four films because I'm going to include the remake in this motherfucker. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So let's start all the way back in 1977. The to score for Suspiria. Any ideas? Matthew, you've got your arm up. You're ready to go. I'm supposed to slap you. Okay. I'm going to jump right in here. I'm going to play the game, Tim. Mm-hmm. You sometimes are like, well, maybe this. I feel it's this. Fuck that. I'm going to go with how everyone's been talking about these movies for you know the last 20 years of me mm. understanding what these movies are. So when I'm going to punch out these numbers, these aren't my instinctive feelings. It's me wanting to win. Okay. So. Matt's not playing around. Matt's not com- no, Matt's coming for blood. Ah. Come here, not at all. Giallo. Coming for monkey blood and tits. Monkey tit blood. Come monkey on. Monkey tit blood. Okay. That's Suspiria. Not... Okay. 97. Damn. It's a classic. Tim. I think it's going to be lower than that. Okay. How dare you? I think there's going to be a mix of reviews at the time that were like, Italian filth. Um, Mm. And people like us who were just like, eh. (laughs) Um, 
I'm going to say sexy 69%. Oh, nice. wow, Tim, you were not kidding. That's a drop. Nice, nice. I actually think it probably is about that. Well, let's move We'll go three years into the future. Oh, my God. Inferno, 1980. Matthew Stockton, to you first. I'm going to say people say, it was this good to spirit, therefore it's a piece of shit. I'm going to go with Tim's sexy, sexy 69. 69, dude. For both of you. Tim. I'm going to drop down a little as well. I, but... bet, I bet you are, you naughty boy. <laughs> drop down from my 69. <laughs> Slink onto the floor. I'm going to say 60. A flat 60. Fair. Now for this big old piece of poop. 2007's Mother of Tears. 21. 20. Whoa, that's a big old. My lucky off. number. That is the classic sequelizer's drop off. Mm. That's a big old 48% drop off from predicted by Mr. Stogden. Mr. Matum, do you agree? 16%. 16%. Ooh. Damn. Ooh, Tim, I don't necessarily disagree. <laughs> I think there's enough bugs like, well, actually, it's very much of a spirit of Jarlo. Fuck off. 2018's remake slash inspired by whatever the fuck you want to call it. Suspiria. I'm going to do a bullshit here. I'm going to okay. do some bullshit. I'm going to say exactly 50% because I think that's going to be one of those really polarizing things. <laughs> like, it's actually a very interesting contemporary view on these things. I'm just like, this is some shit. Yeah, I feel like it probably did like split opinion. I think just the sheer, like the quality of the performances and it was right in the m- kind of middle of that like elevated horror uh, mm, wave. That's true. It was also in this weird time where it was like, how is this getting released? And it's like, it's going straight to the... No, 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 cinema. Okay, it's going to... Not, not Blu-ray either. Oh, it's go... Amazon's got it. Yeah, yeah. It's an Amazon Amazon's studio thing, it, right? Yeah. yeah, so they're going to... Straight to streaming yeah. and, and Blu-ray? Oh, okay. Oh, it's only in some places. <laughs> it was a yeah, very yeah. weird release. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I think the performances and I think the the esteem associated with... The Swinton caliber. That's what we're the about. Swinton and the mm. Guadag- Guadagino. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm going to say... 63%. I was convinced to say, after all that, 51. <laughs> 53%. So we'll start with the classic, of course. Suspiria. 1977's. Matt, you are closer. Uh, it, is oh. in, it is in the 90%. Oh, Ooh, fuck off. It's 93 for the Holy original Suspiria. Holy shit. With an audience score 10% lower at 83%. Yeah, that 93 is very high. I was mm. expecting the audience score to be a lot fucking lower mm. and come in with our kind of like modernized yeah. and be like, Really? It's the it's the self selection bias again. It's it people is. who the p- kind of people who are going to seek out Suspiria are the most likely the people who are going to go, go. Yeah, that was and, fucking great. And even then, even more specific, the kind of people that watch Suspiria and think, yeah, I'll do a review on Rotten Tomatoes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Those motherfuckers. Confirmation bias bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, on to Inferno from 1980. Mm. You are both incredibly close. It is one oh. of those split the difference oh, shit. type motherfuckers. And Tim, you are closer by one point. Because you went 60, you went 69. It's 64 ah. on the tomato meter. That's one not, a piece so far. I'm not opposed to that 64. Yeah. And interestingly enough, the audience score, you absolutely nailed, Tim, is 60. Mm. So. Interesting, the audiences are not feeling it as much. Yeah, mm. yeah. On to, of course, Mother of Tears. I think you're going to be not angry with this, but like, mm, come on now. I feel like I'm going to be angry with this. Yeah, you are. You're closer, Matt, because it's higher than both of you. I'm going to mm. be very angry with this, aren't I? Yeah. Jack? If you add both of yours together, no. that, that's still not high enough. No, fuck no. off. <laughs> it is 48%. Yeah, it is the... 2% Stop. lower than Blade. Fuck off. I, I know I bring it up every time. No, no, no. no yeah, you're like right four right. seasons is, at this point. That is, is that like correct. three or four lower than The Mummy or some bullshit? Yes, like that. That, three, is, that is yeah, some like, horseshit. Yeah. It's around the same kind of score as The Mummy. Who the fuck is reviewing this? Yeah. 
Uh, I can I can dive into that if you to, like. To be fair, I all know the answer. It's going to be a very of, niche hard decades. Yeah, oh, how many God, how so many great. reviews is that? Out so of yeah, I'll read the number of views for Suspiria. There's 59 reviews. Again, 70s That's movie. That's really yeah. low. Mm. Then this it's an older movie. 14 one four reviews for Inferno. That kind of uh, makes sense. Okay. Yeah. 73 reviews for Mother of Tears. Fucking hell. And then we'll get to Suspiria, obviously. Yeah, yeah sure, of course, of course. That's the most, obviously, it's the most modern, 330 yeah. reviews. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, the audience score of Mother of Tears is lower, but still higher than both of yours at 27%. Bloody hell. Yeah. So last of all, interestingly enough, the remake has exactly the same tomatometer and audience score. Isn't that interesting? Oh, oh I see what you mean. Right, yes, no, yes. No, no, no. Yeah. Same score. But who's closer? So the critics and the, and the critics people Critics and the audience agree okay. and both give it 65%, with Tim being closer with 63 Interesting. So you have both split the difference. You've yeah. both got two. Oh, yeah, so, that's solid. That's solid. That's a, we'll take that as a bet. Everybody yeah. wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go with the Game respects game. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that interesting, though? Mother of Tears is 48%. That Fuck is, that shit. That is not indicative of what... Because again, I know, that we, again, discussing with Josh uh, beforehand, it's like, oh, should I go with Inferno or Mother It's like, Mother of Tears. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, those two, you know, the, we, if you do Suspiria, you don't really have a lot... I mean, okay, in the previous season, Tim had to fix not the Chronicles of Riddick, but Riddick. <laughs> and it's like, you've kind of put me in a position where I have to go yeah. with the established canon. If you'd just done Pitch Black, he'd be able to go in with... The, I'm not getting into the politics of that one, but you know, that's the nature of a Patreon pick. Whereas with Inferno... It's like Suspiria doesn't have anything threadwise. It's it's put in secondarily almost, mm. which is fine. You can go wherever you want with it. But because Inferno establishes so much, and yes, okay, it's, it's not as good. It's it, well, unless you're Jack, it's it's got enough going that it's fine. Mother of Tears is so batshit. Not necessarily as just as bad because it is, but it's bad and incomprehensibly disconnected. Yeah, is part of the major issue. So anyway, that, that makes sense. I'm just reading some, as I often do, just browsing the excerpts of the reviews. On oh, the yeah, yeah, here. sure. One of them stood out to me that is a positive one, which is a three out of four rating sure, from sure. Mr. Stephen Rare from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Stephen, if you're listening, shame on you, sir. The final installment of filmmaker Argento's Three Mothers series, this rollicking scarefest boasts roving bands of leggy witches Blundering priests and fuck voices off. from beyond. <laughs> yeah, fuck right off. So, as you can imagine, when I was scrolling through, I was like, one out of four, two out of four, <laughs> C minus, wherever I saw leggy witches, and I was like, you scumbag. <laughs> Here we go. Leggy witches and a bit of a monkey. Roving bands of leggy witches. Gets a thumbs if, up in my I book. liked it when they got their norks out. <laughs> <laughs> if we had episode titles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Christ. So, yeah, a, a very mixed bag. So strange. You, you guys split the difference literally in one case and yeah, then yeah, both yeah. got two out of four each. So very interesting there. But Matt, hello. it's your turn. It's over to you fixes. to fix this far worse than 48% on Rotten Tomatoes big piece yeah, of shit fuck that. that is known as Mother of Tears as selected by executive producer Josh Miles. What are you going to do? Make a Jarlo film. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing it in like 2015, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I'm getting Denis Villeneuve go, go. to do it in 2020, <gasps> and it's going to be like instead of June. I was like, what? No! <laughs> it's going to be deafeningly ne- loud. I've never seen Jack's boner appear and disappear so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. Ah, oh no, go back inside. <laughs> it's not safe out here. No, I You know, I said that those films end really quickly. It's like, fire credits and done. 
That was me. Denis Villeneuve instead of June. <laughs> and credits are rolling and yeah. I'm done. Yeah. This is the true ending we had to get. Yeah, no, it's it's. I, I'm I'm going to basically make a Jalo film in every. I, even, I mean, I mean, good. Yeah, but that's but, not good because mm, it's going to be schlock. And it's in the same way that probably t- not to my taste, but I'm, good. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just giving myself far too much compliment before you even get to the fucking pitch. But in the same way that Tim's like, I've made a Basic Instinct film. You're like, yeah, you really have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, and it, or, or me with like or, again, me with the National Treasure. This whole season, in fact, me and National's like mm. that's a National Treasure movie. It's like mm. yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. It's just enough stupid history, and, and you with your with your time first top, blood, time, yeah, time stuff, and yeah. both time top and, and the first blood one. It's like yeah. this is going to feel appropriate to what came before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not going to go. Uh, That's a theme for all four of my pitches this season. Oh. Enough. Yeah. and wrestling, and wrestling. Sorry, yes, the theme yeah. is also wrestling. I yeah. do go <laughs> off the fucking chain in one of my pitches to come. This ain't it. This one's straightforward. Interesting. That's exciting. I, I'm going to piss off a lot of people with my pitches. Oh, here we go. <laughs> right, nineteen. 19- Oh four. No, nineteen eighty. <laughs> One of the first movies ever anyway. produced. Nineteen eighty-three. Right. So following the pattern three years later, three years later. Like doing a Star Makes Wars. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. New Hope, <laughs> Empire, Jedi. This is the Jedi. Of yeah. the witches. Yeah. <clears throat> Italian witches. I'm calling it. Can't wait for all those Ewoks to get their heads <laughs> sliced off. <laughs> they are, I think they do eat humans. That was fairly well They're established. Playing the They're helmets, playing the helmets playing the helmets and shit, yeah. right? Yeah. They've eaten the skulls right on them. Yeah. 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 Scoop, scoop out the brain. Out, with, gonna... out with the monkeys in with the Ewoks. Yeah, they were, <gasps> they were going to eat Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. Yeah. They're cooking them on a fire. Delicious. Uh... Yup, yup. <laughs> it's yup, yup, dub, isn't it? Fuck no, it's Who Star knows? Wars, isn't it? They probably changed it five times. Anyway. So yup, nub, I'm 1983. also not calling it the Mother of Tears. But I mean, good. Because that's dumb. Yeah. It makes sense, but it's dumb. Yeah. I'm calling it the same pattern. Patterns and rhyming will be a thing for all of these movies. Unsurprisingly. Suspiria, Inferno, Lacrimosa. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 We've established about the whole mother's different names. Lacrimosa yeah. makes complete yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Director, one creepy faced Dario Argento, one sickly <laughs> little boy. It makes sense. Yeah. As much as I'm not, it's his I'm weird not, plan. Yeah. I'm yeah. not a fan of Argento, especially if you're doing an 83. Yes. You can't pass can't that really. to someone else, yeah. really. Yeah. Returning cast. Don't think a lot of them have been born yet. So <laughs> none of them carbon fuckers are coming back. Oh, see. Right. Yeah. From yeah, the yeah, mother yeah, of tears. Yeah, yeah. But also, no one's coming back from the other two films either. As in Again, that makes, that makes sense. sense. Yeah. Most people are dead at the end of these films. Yeah. So, right, okay. New cast. You may go, uh-huh, who? Jalo motherfuckers is who they are. <laughs> Except for the first one. It's going to be a bunch of Italian names we don't recognize. And then, yeah. Probably, yeah. The first actor is... I'm taking a bit of a pinch here. He's only just finished and got into his first couple of acting gigs. So I'm oh, getting okay. nice and early. And that isn't necessarily an unusual thing. It's like, oh, you've done a bit of TV and stuff like that. Let's get you in an Italian movie for a little while. And then like, I'll make a name over here and then go do other stuff. Mm. In the role of Arthur, Ian Glenn. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. He goes on to be in Gorillas in the Mist, uh, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, Resident Evil Apocalypse. And people know him most as Khaleesi. Khaleesi. <laughs> He's in, uh, in Game, Game of Thrones, Thrones yeah. as Sir Jorah Mormont, is it? Jorah yeah. Mormont, yeah. correct. Yeah. In the role of Alicia. He's a big Scottish lad, isn't he? I think yeah, he's with a name like Ian, Ian Glenn. Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't really speak with the Scottish accent, but yeah, yeah. He does in real life. Yeah, but yeah. most of the time he's just like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. just doing his English. He's sort of hello. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he, yes, that's what we're going with. Alicia is played by Veronica Lario, who's in Tenebrae, oddly enough, with uh, Jen right, Sot- right. and Soto Soto. Corinna, played by Serena Grandi, who's in Androphagus. Sorry. <laughs> Jack, sorry. Anthropophagus and the Adventures of Hercules and Delirium and other Adventures of Hercules. Hercules, amazing. Yeah, and again, I know. I'm sorry. Good point. It's the phone. I'm issues seeing it. Mm-hmm. With the, the, yeah, the, the, the point of holding it in front of the mic. No, I know. You, it's it's 
Valid. Uh, Should I do that last bit again, do you think? No, fuck it, it's good. Yeah, you will be. The role of Dr. Lindsay, because there's always a fucking weirdo doctor. Creepy doctor, yeah. Is, yeah. He, is he in some sort of like disability or something? Like No. Oh, good. Okay. No, I'm going to say no. Good. We're taking the stand. Thank it's you. It's 83, come on. Uh, Lou Castell, who's in uh, A Bullet for the General, Killer Nun, because I'm being Treasure Island. Uh, in the role of Serena, which is my closest to Sarah and Sarah and all the other bits and pieces, <laughs> is Marina Sirtis. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, who, who's in The Wicked Lady and Death mm-hmm. Wish 3 and Star Trek Generations as yeah. Deanna Troy. Yeah. Co- Cockney as fuck. Marina says it. I could not. When I first heard her real voice, I was yeah. like, "What the shit?" I will speak with this soft Greek accent. Pain. I, I yeah. feel. I feel pain. Yeah. I feel. Oh, no. He is now happy. It's like I. F- I feel. Hello. I would like some eels, Hello, darling. How you feeling? Yeah, I'm, I'm a pub. I'm a Get off fuck, my bridge. I'm a fucking ship's cancellor, mate. Riker. I'm a fucking do you one, mate. <laughs> and she did. I'll rub that beard right off your face. <laughs> With my thighs. <laughs> oh, we all would to a young Jonathan Frake, let's be honest. Uh-huh. The way he mounts those chairs. For... Yeah. <laughs> and finally, and most importantly, tourist at Coliseum. Ah, that integral role. Yep. It's vitally important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dario Nicolodi, who is our my favorite wife. Ah, oh, right. Okay. And she's in tons of his movies. Yeah, she's yeah, in both yeah, yeah. ones. And it's like, she's just been there, yeah. So if that meant, I just, if, again, it's, it's the, if I'm going to do this, there are certain things that have to appear. Yep. Titties. No, okay, right. So that's Better to have his wife sexualized than his daughter sexualized, I suppose. I mean, is it? Yeah, considerably. I think it's all kind of wrong, but sure. Actually, no, it's much worse with his daughter. Yeah, it's much there. worse. <laughs> Why are you talking about? Yeah, sorry. I think just Italians is kind of weird. Right. No, but yeah, the film, film kicks off with a bunga bunga party. <laughs> oh no, politics, eh? Yeah. So again, I'm making a Jalo film through and through, effectively, or at least trying to, and making, and I'm also going to try and finish. This little trilogy exactly is the same as the other two. Jack's be angry how quickly it ends. But, yep. but more importantly, I'm going to subvert expectations a bit because you talked about where do you go when the horror gets to a certain point. Mm. And my subversion here is to do something a little different. So I'm, I'm trying to think what else is happening in the horror landscape in the early 80s. Uh, Halloween came out in 78. All America's like in yeah, slasher stuff. It's like and five years ago. started to get into Halloween, sorry, Halloween, Friday the 13th. It's the, it's the era just of before, the slasher type stuff, right? Just before uh, Nightmare Elm Street kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. getting to slasher territory fully on. But cool. I think this could be interesting enough. Mm. So if we're nice and ready. Poised, ready. I'm on my leather, ready to go. Right. So the film opens with a title card because pretentious Italian bullshit. Yeah, yeah. In the beginning, there were three mothers, the same as there were three muses, three graces, three fates, and three furies. Man has always mistakenly called them by one terrifying name. Death. Evilary. Now, this is referencing, obviously, stuff from Inferno. mythology and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Inferno. The evening sun sets over Rome and the city is washed in an amber light. Right, first things first. Orange and yellow is going to be a big part of this movie. Because, okay. again, big colours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's going to be very Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah, I guess we didn't particularly talk about that, but like Mother of Tears is just kind of like a modern-looking film-ish. Uh, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, looks like, do a, looks like a fucking episode of Stargate SG One. It does. <laughs> it does. And the same again. I know um, Guadagnino made the choice for the remake. They're like, oh, it's washed out. Like he described it as wintry and bleak. And I'm like, mm. sure, but like that's the polar opposite of the original movie, yeah. dude. Like, mm. I mean, it's, it's until m- the end, and then it goes fucking. And then it goes red. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 70s Germany, so, you know, it kind of fits the aesthetic mood as yeah. it were. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, you're, but also, you're, you're sticking with... No, this is going to be big, colourful shit. Yellow, with lots of light. Yeah, big, colourful, golden, bold, cool. orange, yeah. and yeah. 
amber hue. Arthur is stood outside the Colosseum, smoking a cigarette and sketching the ruin. As he illustrates, we see fragments of flashbacks that show him in the back of a car driving through the rainy streets of 1970s London. Arthur's name is called out, followed by the sound of screeching tyres as we cut back to Rome. Looking down at his drawing, Arthur sees that his impeccable sketch has been marred by deep black lines. Frustrated, he crumples up the page and walks away. As night falls, we follow a young woman as she gets on at the Colosseo metro station. The station is abnormally quiet and she feels unsafe. The train finally arrives and getting on, the unease continues until the train passes the Castro Pretorio station and the lights begin to flicker. Out of the darkness, an impossibly tall, shrouded creature, stooping due to the confined space, lunges at the lone young woman. Screaming, she tries to defend herself, but the attacker's long, clawed fingers scratch away at her clothes of and face. They do. Some scratch boys. away at her clothes. Mm. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah. See some panties. It's all very scandalous. Crawling through the metro, the lights go out as a taloned hand is pushed through the victim's chest. The lights glow yellow before the train screams off into the dark tunnel. Arthur rushes to his class, and we learn that he is in fact studying architecture at a prestigious university near the National Central Library of Rome. The old building is slowly crumbling, with several areas marked off with yellow <gasps> tape. <laughs> Yellow's the theme here. Jallo is yellow. Arriving late to the lecture hall, the professor shoots a scolding look at the student who takes his seat. That would also be quite comical now. You look over, it's like, the fuck is this? Like, yeah. It's like it's a porn parody or something like that. Fuck <laughs> is this? Like, mm, take a seat, please. The professor explains that their new assignment is to design a building or construct inspired by ancient Roman deities. Late that night, Arthur is studying Roman mythology, but has difficulty deciding on what to focus on. Tired, he drifts to sleep and is once again haunted by the vision of rainy London streets. This time we see that his mother and father are driving while young Arthur is in the back. The tall shrouded individual from the metro is stood in the middle of the rain-swept street before the car swerves. Mm. Arthur awakes in a panic, but is calmed by the strange sound of singing. With arms wide open <laughs> under the sunlight. That sounds like Creed Khaleesi. <laughs> Khaleesi. That could only be the sweet sounds of Scott, Scott Stapp. <laughs> Slap maybe Jonathan Davis as well. The CIA yeah, went after him. him. Quickly, let's help him. He roams the corridors before finally seeing a young woman in the courtyard singing to herself. Making his way past the restrictive tape, Arthur runs out into the night, but the woman has vanished. Mm-hmm. Spooky shit. The following morning, Arthur is visiting his doctor, Lindsay. The two discuss the nightmares, and as a result, Arthur's medication is increased. Leaving the doctor's office, Arthur runs into a fellow student and immediately apologises. The young lady introduces herself as Karina, and notes that she recognises Arthur from school, specifically as the funny English boy who is always running late. Arthur clumsily admits that that sounds about right, and the two flirt a little. Oh, uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> the young couple spend the afternoon together in Rome, briefly discussing their assignment, and specifically how Arthur is unsure where to start. As night falls, the two take a taxi back toward the university and begin kissing and groping one another in the back of the car. Oh, horny oh, Matt is horny here. Matt coming in. It's mm. Italian. Come on, it's a normal way to <laughs> behave in the back of a taxi. Finally arriving at the school, Karina says she will see Arthur tomorrow and leaves. Arthur rides off in the taxi, his head swimming with erotic thoughts. Mm. It's a normal thing to do when you're in Italian. <laughs> Come on, man. We've all been in Rome. To the when end. you're in Rome. <laughs> when in Rome. Yeah. Grope ladies in taxis. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> when in Rome, get the bone. I was, I was in Rome on my honeymoon. Moving on. <laughs> uh, his head swimming with erotic thoughts to the extent that he doesn't notice in the background Karina is set upon by the shrouded figure. In the alleyway, running beside the school, Karina is attacked, her face violently slashed before fingers are plunged deep into her neck and her throat is pulled apart. Sounds graphic, but it also looks like paint. 
yeah, from, yeah, from a model yeah. shop. Yeah, it's not disemboweled, it's not and strangled with your own intestines yeah. and all it's not, that. It's not uh, surgery detail as yeah, is now yeah, yeah. done. Yeah. yeah, like the saw thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. realistic surgery scenes. Like, yeah. No, thank you. That's worse than actual film gore. Hmm. Arthur is awoken the following morning by the police who interrogate him as he was the last person to see there. As he was the last person seen with Karina. The taxi driver and fellow students in his apartment building offer alibis and exonerate him fairly quickly, but the experience has left the student shaken. Arthur wanders over to the National Central Library of Rome and reads up about the Roman goddess Lavana, specifically about the practice of a newborn baby being shown the ground which man, which man reigns over and then lifted to the stars to show that which is greater than yourself. That's the a... circle of life. <laughs> Simba. Yeah, that's, that's all. A this role mythology. will be yours. What about that shadow area? Yep. <laughs> oh, that's the taxi oh. rank. We don't. We don't go there. <laughs> nope. You don't go back. You will get groped in the taxi. <laughs> We're setting a dangerous precedent we are. here. This is awful. Struck by inspiration, he begins frantically sketching ideas of lions. Pride <laughs> rock. Pride rock. <laughs> I want that to, as he's sketching that slowly building. <laughs> but it's like that. Like. <laughs> but in Italian. Yeah. Putos, putos. It's going to be like fucking Latin shit. Like, like, that's not what I asked for. It's what you're getting. Right. Back in class, Arthur is ostracized by the others who blame him for Karina's death. The only person who seems willing to talk to him is Alicia. Arthur immediately recognizes Alicia as the woman singing in the courtyard, and she explains that before she studied architecture and design, she wanted to sing, but her family frowned upon it, saying it wasn't what she was meant for. Arthur is hesitant to get too close to Alicia, who is a little hurt, but kind of understands. Because, mm. you know, he, he hangs out with ends up dying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I eat that one person. That night, Arthur has an unsettling dream wherein he sees an image of Lavana representing his own mother. Surrounding her are three tall, shrouded figures who engulf her. Once again, a car screech wakes Arthur. The following day, Arthur sees Alicia sketching and asks about her design. She playfully says, I thought you didn't want to get close. To which Arthur responds, too close. I don't mind being a little close, Khaleesi. <laughs> and with this, he slides his chair next to hers. Wink. Oh. Alicia explains she's working on a pillar that oh. represents a narcissus. Mm. Arthur laughs and states in England they are called daffodils. Alicia <laughs> so says... romantic name. Daffs, mate. <laughs> yep. Nice bunch of daffs. Bunch of daffs. Buy them down a fucking pub. Alicia says that, according to Virgil, they hold Narcissus's tears, hence the name. Feeling strangely exposed, Arthur abruptly opens up about his parents' death, that he would get into fights and move to Rome to get away, that designing helped focus his mind and distract him from his pain. Arthur looks up and sees tears running down Alicia's face. Without saying anything, the two begin passionately kissing before moving to a side room and having sex. On him, Matt. It's this. It's what's Italian, isn't it? Quinn in Rome, mate. I don't know. Before they can finish, hey, a block of plaster falls from the ceiling, crashing near Alicia's oh, head. Oh, we've all been there. The two shaking are, the room apart. Yeah, <laughs> the two are momentarily shaken, but Arthur dismisses it, highlighting that the building is a wreck. Alicia, on the other hand, is clearly startled and runs away. It's a bum shot. Oh, okay. Now I'm on board. <laughs> I should point out the mother we keep seeing over and over again is Marina Sirtis. Just wanted to clarify that. Oh, okay. That's that's oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I would be like Serena character. Oh, it's the one from uh, Star Trek. Oh, cool. She wasn't in Star Trek at this point. Oh, it's priest, yeah. She course, was in, yeah. she was in literally in Schlock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. The following day, a deep orange, obviously. Hello. Haze has gripped Rome, and rich golden sunlight 
I love that you're hammering home the colours here. That's very giallo. Is it giallo? Yeah. Casts rays down the school corridors. I can really picture that. Arthur and Alicia lock eyes and eventually discuss their feelings. He says he moved too fast, but she apologises for rushing away. The two agree to try again and walk to class hand in hand. The professor, however, has suspended the lesson as another student has died. What? Italy? Anyone would think this was some kind of horror horror film. Horror movie. It's pretty horrific. We are treated to a flashback from a POV perspective of the tall, shrouded killer as it chases down another female student. As we discussed, welcome to Jalo. Jalo gonna Jalo. <laughs> exactly. She struggles and reaches toward the camera before the long black hands reach out and the clawed thumbs are pressed slowly and deeply into her eyes. Another, another Game of Thrones reference. Yeah. As her cries ring out, we are snapped back to the present. The class all stare at Arthur and Alicia holding hands before the two leave the room. Scandalous. Mm. Fearing for Alicia's safety, Arthur says she needs to get away from him, but Alicia protests. The couple start a proper investigation and notice that all of the recent spate of deaths have taken place in and around the university. Mm. What? A cursed wreckage of a building? Oh my god. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> and some cockney about Fucking hell. Fucking hell. <laughs> it's Marina Sirtis. <laughs> Alicia suggests that the decaying building itself may in fact be haunted or have malicious intentions. Arthur dismisses this as fancy, but eventually agrees to search the school's archives. Descending down into the basement, they learn that the building was constructed by an alchemist-cum-architect, Ivarelli, and read the same excerpts as detailed at the start of Inferno. Makes sense. I was about to joke and say, huh, one of the archives are in a basement, Matt, and I'm descending down into the basement. (laughs) You motherfucker, you've done it. Hello. The book grows hotter, mm. and Arthur drops it to the floor as it catches fire. Because the building's got to catch fire, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The high, narrow corridor of files begins to shake and rattle before collapsing inward. Arthur and Alicia narrowly escape, but as one of the units falls down, it digs deep into his calf. Oof. With the cabinets crashing to the floor, a concealed door is revealed, and Alicia helps Arthur down inside. The two crash into a crypt. <laughs> of course they do. Which is covens and shit, right, guys? Yeah. All lit by candlelight, and Alicia dresses Arthur's wound. <laughs> Grabbing with, t- with her tongue. Grabbing a candelabra. Arthur hobbles around, looking at strange markings all over the walls, which glow in the amber candlelight. Again, sticking with the lighting thing. <laughs> yep. Arthur is struck, however, when he comes across a giant portrait atop an altar, the subject of which resembles Alicia. Fuck it up. At the foot of the frame, the inscription reads, Mater Lacrimarum. <gasps> She's a mum. Dum, dum. <laughs> ah, you've got kids? Turns out you're a milf after all. <laughs> Arthur questions it, turning back to Alicia, but an eerie calm washes over her face despite the steady stream of tears. For she is the mother of tears. Hence all the crying. <laughs> For I am the mother mm. of tears. I am... Always stubbing my toe. <laughs> it brings the I, tears. This crypt is covered in Lego. It's extremely <laughs> painful. And upturned plugs. Oh, oh, Tim, too far. <laughs> you know we said we need to push the horror? You took it. Yeah, you, you could have just said she bit down You went straight to fucking hostel. You need to chill, <laughs> right? Fuck it, upturned yeah. plugs. Oh, my toes literally curled mm. at the thought of that. Gargling glass. Alicia confesses that her sisters trapped her in a house of learning and she cannot leave. She had hoped that together they would find a way to release her soul, but that doesn't seem possible. Arthur doesn't understand, because of course he fucking doesn't, saying she was attacked too, but Alicia explains that is simply the enchantment in the building. 
Any attempt made to leave results in her being dissuaded. Arthur asks about the deaths and she admits that it, she cannot control it, as it is her nature. Overcome by emotion, Arthur says he doesn't care and will do anything it takes to save her. Alicia smiles softly, uh, moved by the gesture, but admits that she can no more escape her destiny than she could this building. Arthur tries to free Alicia, but finds her impossible to move. She heavy. <laughs> she ain't heavy. She's my mother. <laughs> <laughs> she thick. Smoke begins to roll in from the burning record room above. God damn fires. Fires, man. Everything's uh, a fucking fire in these And realising Arthur would sacrifice himself, Alicia morphs into the towering cloaked figure, which causes Arthur to relive the events of his parents' death. Mm. Mirroring the actions he took as a child, Arthur covers his eyes as a cacophony of screams and screeches echo around him. The young man is hit by a blast of air and suddenly finds himself outside the university, now a towering blaze. And on fucking fire. One might say a towering inferno. Oh, my God. Fire engines and police cars pull up as Arthur, shell-shocked, stumbles away. As he does, the camera pans down to reveal a lone daffodil blooming by the roadside. That's an ending, Matthew. You you (laughs) panned down and showed something else. I did. And the building's on fire and we're done. Go. What happened to Arthur? (laughs) Don't know. Just done. Yeah. You actually had him. He stumbles away Mm. and then the daffodil. Yes. Which is... An actual ending, unlike the first two. That's so I, I appreciate. Okay, that. that's fair. You said, "Oh no, Jack's gonna be pissed off at my ending." You you move the camera, <laughs> which is key. <laughs> you did enough. You don't just hover on a bit of fire and then the credits roll. Yeah, sure. Thematic daffodils, etc. Narcissus, if you will. I shall penises. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the I was reading about uh, Argento's idea for all the mother concept and going back to De Quincey and talking about how it talks about the themes of decay and the area rots, people go insane, death, and, you know, typical giallo kind of things, but also very much in line with this specific, uh, let's say trilogy, because it kind of appears in Mother It Is a bit. Yeah. And also, like, there'd be a foul smell in the air and all these kind of right, hints yeah, yeah. of what it would be. So I try to put that stuff in there subtly, hopefully. Like with the, her crying randomly all the time, like mm. fucking Johnny Depp and Crybaby. At the same time, it's hinted at that she's like, the cruelest of them all and that kind of stuff and like mm. you know it was it's leaning to like oh she's the worst witch i thought mm. it would be a nice subversion if she was more a prisoner of this situation and she did she was actually just an innocent girl kind of situation because they, they mm. talk about the they are the the, the three mothers are meant to, uh, as death are meant to be historically speaking and through mythology and yada 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 mm. linked to childbirth the suffering and the grief and the pain mm, and the right. tears of childbirth. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like the whole, like, you show the ground, that's what you earn, and that's what you live, and that's mm. what you reign. And then you're shown the sky and think, that, you always remember what's above you. You always mm. remember, remember your place kind of thing. Mm. That's why they're in the basement. That's why there's all these layers, like, oh, it makes sense. And the fire, the purifying, cleansing, you know. Mm. But the problem is that Argento doesn't exactly convey that very well. Mm. So there'd be quite a bit of exposition in terms of libraries, research, architecture, building, structuring, blah, 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 mm. that would go into that sort of thing. I'm imagining a lot of Ian Glenn's mellifluous voiceover. Oh yeah, as he reads books, almost guaranteed. Yeah, and that's appropriate for the time period as well. Yeah, and then the idea that she wouldn't be cruel. She would literally. Be, I mean, she's still a fucking awful killer witch woman mm. who's murdering women out of like, hang on, sniffing around this guy. I like <laughs> better off her. Mm, yeah, um, that kind of thing. It's like, wow, why would you do that? It's like, I'm just threatened by her. And mm. literally, with like, we're gonna see a hint of when this woman at the start mm. on, at the Coliseum. Literally, I didn't put it in the in the description, unfortunately. But the idea that she's going to see thing from uh, uh, Ian Glenn's character from afar and go, oh, and that's enough mm. to go mm, done like that. Even mm. though she, he's never, I've known each other in the class. It's not established mm. at this point because again, Jala doesn't tend to always explain that stuff brilliantly. Mm. It just says 
what about these three deaths? Are they linked in because of this? It's like, but the film didn't say that. It's like, it doesn't need to. It's like, I think it kind of does. <laughs> so, yes, that's, that's what I've done with this one. Mm. Over to you guys. I liked it. I mean, I think it's a lot better and a lot more. Not enough monkeys. In, it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Could have done with a monkey. Lack of monkeys. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. It's a lot more in tone with, with uh, Suspiria and Inferno. Yeah, 100%. Um, I can definitely picture like the warm yellow glow and the, the, the mm-hmm. Roman kind of uh, architecture mm. and, and all that kind of elements. So, yeah. I mean, I thought it was a dramatic <laughs> improvement over Mother Thank of you. Tears. I think I would have liked a <laughs> little bit more death. I get if you're if you're aiming towards having a subversion at the end, you don't want to make her too much of a monster, but you could maybe yeah. do something with having it be like the deaths are caused by like the forces that are keeping her prisoner rather than mm. her directly kind of mm-hmm. thing. I, I um, had originally a few scenes where similar to like the dog situation where there are random attacks, and I kind of left them out. And this may be a mistake, but I kind of found because I thought we're kind of gone nowhere. It, it much of the same with Inferno. Like we're kind of going nowhere with this. It feels like it's just filler. Yeah, but mm. that is true. Quite indicative of the film. Yeah, you didn't want somebody attacked by rats and then stabbed by a hot dog vendor. Well, actually, I did a few Omen esque things. I had crows. Mm. Well, weird enough, like the the glass decapitation thing reminds me of the Omen with the glass mm. decapitation yeah, on of course, the back yeah. of the truck scene. I was like, yes, this is very Omen. And of course, seventies mm. horror, same kind of. Mm. Era yeah, as yeah, well, definitely, definitely. Sense. I feel like the uh, the snooty professor probably needs to die. That's fair. He probably d- well, yeah. This is the question, like the jealousy angle, the mother of tears thing. That, mm. That's why it's always young women. I mean, mm. yes, definitely. You know, there's not like there's no precedent jailer for older men to get offed because of course yeah. there is. They get strangled by their own voice boxes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well. But at the same time, I've kind of written myself into a thing where I'm like mm, the building could, but why would it? That kind of mm. thing. So, and I, I felt with any time I was trying to subvert to that. That I was getting away from it too much, but again, that does feel mm. very inferno. It's that does feel like mm. conspiracy. It's like, well, yeah, things he's just having because it's a dream sequence. It's all very buried yeah. all So I could have gone probably, and then I think you could easily add that shit in there. Oh yes, quite yeah. easily. Yeah, yeah but uh, we, we're talking about it as a kind of almost like a nature of like, yeah, just throw some more deaths in there because that's Easy. kind of what Giallo is, and they don't yeah. necessarily, you know, you listeners will have heard the synopsis of these films. So much of it is just like. Oh, we met that character earlier. We we kind of lose track of them. Oh, let's kill them. Now off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this is the think of this as the main plot thread, and there'd be a handful of other death scenes we throw in there because, like, oh, we have been like five minutes before Gore happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, fair, that's fair. Having that kind of moving B plot would help. As fair, far as fair. there's three sort of main deaths. You've got the the throat rip, the hand through the chest in the metro, yeah, and the eye. Squidging. Oh yeah, it was only three. Yeah, that's point. So, yeah I, that is fair. I, that is actually quite I think, minimal. I think we could yeah. we could do with a bit more of that to mm. to kind of keep it within the genre. I, I would say that's stuff. entirely fair. Having a I, few like peripheral characters there, like maybe the taxi driver or something like that. There's mm. a yeah a, another kind of like we can also link it in the whole like more of his alibis and his fellow dormitory people keep going missing. That adds mm. more yeah sus- and, more and by, him, playing yeah. on the theme of like anyone he even gets vaguely to. gets close to yeah, yeah, is yeah. is drawn and murdered and. No, no problem. I'd maybe even close the circle in a bit more on him. And like you said, if you take out more of the alibi things, he becomes more of a suspect and, yeah, and bring in more of a kind of an investigation side of things. And think like, again, classic Jalo thing. He's the outsider as well. The classic, oh, bring the, oh, the detective from America is here. Oh, what a yeah, coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Having him be the, the outsider anyway, obviously brings suspicion from local police and stuff anyway. So you have that kind of tie there. And he's obviously medicated and the foreigner. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, apparently he's used a doctor about something called mental yeah, health, yeah, yeah. which yeah. we don't <laughs> we don't agree with in 1983. He's been fighting all over. He's got a record of violence mm, in the history. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think to make almost make 
Arthur, not actually more of the bad guy, but make the audience the think audience like, can assume oh, it might be him. Oh, maybe, yeah, he maybe has like a psychosis where he goes into like a yeah, yeah, yeah. a different yeah. kind of personality yeah. and becomes yeah. a killer or something. Yeah, I think like I've, I've, I've I think I've done the classic thing where I've alluded to it, and what yeah. I should have done was just been blunt like an idiot, like a child. <laughs> That's we, we, we have to do this with the um the limits that we have with our well, pictures the, as well. Yeah, right? I mean, that, if you're writing a full mm. script for this, you would have that in there. I'd mm. say another another seven hundred words, and I would have had all those ad bits, but <laughs> yeah. like that would have been a longer pitch. Exactly. But yes, but you're right. Exactly. Obviously, I agree with you guys both. Yeah, I'd. Also, kind of be tempted to kill Arthur at the end. Oh, for the, for the, if, for the if you're making if you're making but what about Alicia, a big, sexy final Scottish girl. <laughs> uh, if you're making Alicia a tragic figure, as as the building kills her, basically, Lacrimarum, and yeah, the, yeah. The, that she's trapped there, and mm. it, it frustrates her attempts to escape. He represents a certain kind of escape to her, and so therefore he's a threat. He's to die. Therefore, yeah, therefore, it yeah. takes that from her as well. Yeah, I don't mind that. That's not so bad. Yeah, like that. I, I agree with you. Too yeah, because also the, the classic, you know, the outside perspective, the police are like, well, he's clearly the killer. Job done. And it's kind of another subversion of like, who is the final girl? The witch. The witch is the final girl. Yeah, no, no, I, I like yeah. that, Tim. That's pretty solid. These are again, these are great suggestions. I'm happy to happy to add them. I have a very important question. Oh shit! Do you have a composer slash soundtrack in mind? Mm. Don't. That was a real problem. I genuinely thought, should I bring back one of the other ones? And I should go about things. And I thought to myself. No, and I didn't. It was even. I was listening to other um, scores. I mean, again, the one that did jump to mind. Weirdly enough, I have one that ties into Tim's previous pitch. Yeah, Mister Maroda. I think he'd be in a in a. That's uh, not a bad show. An electronic synthy kind of vibe that yeah. goes with the first two movies. <laughs> He's got the kind of very European style to him. We're we're aiming this, you know, in Rome and all that kind yeah. of stuff. A very mm. kind of European style to it. That's who my mind jumped to straight away. Yeah, my my logic would be um, again Goblin because the like, more like just make it sound like the Phenomena soundtrack because mm. I think it's really really cool. Um, but again, I didn't want to just go yeah, get that person back again. Yeah, but that feels kind another of idea. Um, like off the back of uh, The Exorcist ten oh, years yeah. earlier, get my Goldfield. Oh, that's mm. not a bad idea. That's a good one. Yeah, Exorcist has been out for a while. That yeah, makes sense. Yeah, seventy seventy three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Decade at that point. Literally decade. Yeah, so yeah, yeah that's. Yeah, it's a good shout. I like it. Definitely like it. These are all good suggestions. These definitely improved yeah. my life. I'm ready. Yeah. yeah, I'm really happy with those. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're nice. so, we're so much closer to what the third of this trilogy <laughs> should have fucking been in the first yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. Adding these little tweaks is kind of doing that little extra bum, bum, extra bum, bum, bit bum. of polish on the end mm, there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it's a script writing punch of like I've written a plot. Can we make this more jalo? And I was like, yeah, we'll punch yeah. it up in this way because that's kind of how these things are made. Yeah, and I know I say this often from my perspective. Like uh, this is my favorite bit when you guys come in and go and be like. Ah, oh, but you could have done this. And I was like, oh, that's a really cool idea. Yeah, we could have listened. How about this for the composer? Oh, yeah, of course, that's a brilliant <laughs> idea. I think, yeah, you've laid such a solid foundation there, Matt, for mm. what this film fucking should have been. Yeah. Like we said, what, 35 years ago rather than... Yeah. <laughs> 35 years earlier, sorry, than than, yes, uh, yes. than the than the remake. And then what's that, like 24 years before the the actual Mother of Tears? Yeah, maybe we wouldn't get such a weird remake. Maybe we get something completely different, and people would have a different perspective. I imagine we get a fourth one. Exactly. Yeah, you get yeah. into the kind of like butterfly effect that we sometimes talk about with sequelizers. Like, yeah, because you're moving this so far away in terms of the film itself and the, the the era that you're releasing it. How does this then affect Argento's career going forward? How does it affect Ian Glenn's career? Mm-hmm. You know, horror. Him being such an influential person in the late seventies, going into the early eighties. Him making this film in '83 kind of change might change the perspective of like, oh, he's completed his trilogy. This might be his magnum opus. Like mm. these three films mm. as a package. What does Argento do now? And maybe he goes off and does something 
weird, different, unusual, something like Who that. Who knows? Yeah, I'd be really intrigued to live in the sequelizers universe and <laughs> oh, see. Oh yeah, like, yeah, always the yeah. butterfly effect and the drop in the pool that is this thing and where we go mm. from here. And also, just from like a sounds really stupid, like a marketing point of view, I can imagine in the '90s kind of thing, people coming back to this with a DVD box set of like, yeah. oh, here's the, here's the Suspiria trilogy, here's the yes. yeah, yeah. here's the Three the Mothers, Mothers trilogy, trilogy. Yeah. like, and it's a lot easier to go here watch these they're you know they're all good you know they're a bit out there but you know red rather... film blue film yellow film yeah uh they've got one word titles everything's yeah. there all the themes are there they have yeah. a different each one flows a little differently but it's the same yeah. Thing. yeah yeah rather rather than going oh here's this one and then here's a second one the, the three mothers it's like where's the third one well he didn't make the third one and then he, <laughs> and then he did and it's remarkably different and, and a big pile shit. of shit yeah. yeah and that's the thing i think it, as as jack said Two sides of it. One is the living in the alternate universe where we get to see these things and think, yeah, that could have had an impact. I mean, he probably would have just gone and made phenomena with, you know, Jennifer mm. Connelly and, and Donald Pleasance and again, a more American cast and just mm. trying to make more of these. I think that one sets in Switzerland, for example. So, yeah, maybe he's gone and does that and like, this guy goes hit after hit after hit. Mm. This is great. And equally, as I said, I really like the process where it, it's not about like, like the sort of ego mindset, like, no, my precious script, you can't change anything. Like, no, no, no. All of us want to make the best we can out of these projects. And this yeah. is how, again, to, we, we don't talk about this very often. This is how films get made. Yeah. People bring scripts to the table and 10 eyes are on it and 10 and hands are in it who are never very, really credited. Very, very rarely do you get the process from like... Start to end as well. Yeah, the, yeah. the script is written by this one screenwriter and it makes it to the director's hands and they go, cool, I'm going to shoot this word for word, scene for scene. Unless you are Job the director, done. that very rarely happens. Yeah, unless you're doing it all by yourself and you are like the, the central creator from yeah. start to finish. You often get like there's a classic example of like you get the whole I think it's called the Hollywood blacklist or whatever it's called like those the, yes. the list of those scripts that are like this is going to be the next big thing this mm. is oh they recently this novel did really well somebody's written a thing and you get all these original screenplays coming out and all that kind of stuff I love this process we have now where we have the more kind of to spin it into a TV term the writers room side of things yes. where we bounce ideas off and and come up with all that sort of stuff hopefully you and listeners also enjoy it as well and yeah. yeah i'd be very interested to hear your feedback and see what you think i know we have some diehard suspiria fans out there yeah and like i said the fact that we don't particularly like these three movies mm. is an interesting kind of way a different direction coming at it from somebody who is a diehard argento fan who is a diehard mm. horror fan looking at it in a different way i wonder if they would see your version of mother it is lacrimosa as the they might see it as something that doesn't feel Jalo enough. It could be like, it, it's, just like, they well, need it's a lot more fucking Jalo than Mother of Tears. Jesus yeah, that's Christ. True, that's true. I mean, I, we always mention this when it's a Patreon pick. We are pitching to fix, fix the best film the best way we can. I obviously want everyone to enjoy it, but always there's always one person in the audience think, I hope they liked it. But yeah. we'll see. So yeah, let us know on Twitter and all that good stuff. Josh, mm. I'm sure you'll let us know on the Discord what you thought. I'm very intrigued. Yeah, like, I'm so curious. This is an out of, out of nowhere pick for me I was like oh fucking hell I've never even heard of this mm. and I know he really really appreciates the original 77 movie mm. so I'm interested to kind of hear his thoughts about yeah, yeah, yeah. Inferno Mother of Tears and the remake and then going through now to what should be Mother of Tears like yeah. I will say you mentioned you didn't have any returning cast oh shit well except could've, for Nickelodeon could have had a, a young Udo Kier in there he was acting in stuff <laughs> by that point a little bit disappointed right. we'll say one other member the uh Star uh, of of the um his classmates his classmates yeah, yeah of the class who yeah. is studying I want to learn how to draw and create buildings and oh fuck a desk has swallowed me <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh, my penis is trapped <laughs> the, the 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 desk I was reaching into it it clamped down on my hands and cut off both of them yeah I would ah ah and I pulled back and the strings of the tendons in my hand oh no Whoa. ah and Whoa. I walked around the room and then a spike fell on me I imagine like the there we go. 
the thing in the the thing, and I do mean the thing mm. this time. Yeah, yeah. The the autopsy. Oh, the pull scene, away. The pull yeah, away. Yeah, and then yeah, the, yeah. Oh my god. Oh, my and then a man with the glove stabs him and walks off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Problem an arm, solved. An arm comes out off off shot and just goes stab. Yeah. That's some angle that doesn't make any makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'll just uh, uh, there you go. You're dead. Awkward angle. Estabo. Exactly. But yeah, if you do have any feedback, let us know. Hit us up on social media. Hit us up on Discord. All the links for that are at sequelizers.com. You can find all the ways. You can listen to the episodes there as well. There is the full archive of the entire run of sequelizers. Yes. If you click on the episodes button at the top of our site, you can find it all there. You can go to find our shop and find all of our lovely merch. You can find the Patreon if you do want to come and support us financially. We'd very much appreciate that. If you just want to share it around on social media, give us a review on your platform of choice, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. We very much appreciate any and all support you guys can give us. And with that out of the way, and if you listen to this on Patreon, tomorrow we have our live stream, our spooky, spooky Guillermo del Toro live stream. Ooh. And if you're listening to this in the future, moo, on a Tuesday when it comes out, you can go to our YouTube channel and find the archive of all of our live streams. Ooh. Again, you can find that on our website. There's the archive there. You click on the live streams button and you find all the YouTube stuff. Or you can subscribe to us on YouTube and find all the previous things where we've done all the director showdowns from Carpenter to Spielberg and now Del motherfucking Toro. Yes. But until next week, like I said, something a little bit similar. Some, some, some lines connecting. Some, yeah, some simple some lines. Some lines. You. Some lines. If you want to come and follow me, and maybe I'm pitching next week. Stalking if you have any you. theories, any, any ideas, hit me up. I'm JLW Chambers on all the social medias. Matthew, if they want to discuss uh, your three mothers. With you on social media. How can they do that? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to the red right hand at UK. My reviews have come back with a vengeance. Yay! Cinema's back. Matthew's back. Matthew's back on his bullshit. I did going five reviews cinema. in three days. Fuck off, <laughs> Matthew. You can go to cheeseman.com and see the things that I'm making. Um, you Sometimes involving me and Tim. Involving you guys. Whipping through so much stuff filming-wise. A lot of updates. Tim, if he wanted to stalk you with a knife, um, where would you run to? Well, if you're Italian, you're going to Curiosita Ragazzo. Oh! Uh, <laughs> But really, you're going to trivia underscore lad on yeah, Twitter. Probably easier, yeah. Uh, where you can find Twitter my... Twitter.it. Yes. At Twitter, the, at Twitter, the, the bullshit. <laughs> uh, and yes, that's where you can... do not endorse these terrible <laughs> Italian accents. <laughs> Things are his own. Yeah. Uh, come and talk to me about my weird obsession with Udo Kier. <laughs> it's not that weird. He's quite an interesting guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so very strange. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye!